in a city. You must fight to survive. And sometimes even in the woods, because apparently Alex and his droogs will get everywhere. And then, if you're Alex, you must fight to survive in prison. And then back in the city. And then in the woods in a bathtub. And then back at that one house that's in the woods. They really get around in this one. That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched A Clockwork Orange. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tented Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them. And today is actually a very, very special episode because not only am I not being a cheater and doing some movie from like six years ago that like I've been doing lately, I'm doing a proper 70s movie, question mark. I probably should have double-checked when this came out. Uh, But also, it's extra special because we have a first-time guest on, and that was the other question that I was going to ask you, how you want me to... Do you want your full name or some, sometimes yeah. people are weird about that. I, I don't want to, I don't want to dox you no, or anything, but uh, Michael Butler is joining us for the first time on the show. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I feel like it was like a long time coming. I like w- was going through my Rolodex and like doing every, every, like every couple of months, I'll just go on a spree and start being like, who can I have on the show? And I found like, we had literally talked about doing the show. And then like two months went by and we just never like actually set a date. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Get around to it. <laughs> so I'm so glad to finally have you on. It's yeah. nice to have you oh, for sure. here in this big ass, way too big radio studio. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it was very, very professional. So. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're lucky to be able, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to come in here just whenever I want for some reason, just the, one of the perks of working at the library, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this radio studio that we're using is also, you know, it's a public uh, access radio station so you know yeah. you've got something to say you can go through the right channels and sound as professional as we do right now uh or just play some music you know that's what most people yeah. do <laughs> but no it's so nice to have you on and uh like i told you uh at the, at the top I, when you have a new guest on i like to sort of ask them about themselves and honestly uh i, mean, I hope this isn't like somewhat uh, offensive to say but i'd say me and you probably we know each other, but I, we've not spent a lot Barely. of time together. Yeah. Like I had the pleasure of like having our mutual friend Daisy suggest you for a short film, like sort of yeah. last second. She's like, "He's really good," and I was like, "All oh. right, I'll take your word for it." Well, because I got I'm, I'm up against the wall here, <laughs> uh, and then it turns out you are. You're great. Oh man, thank uh, you. And it was a pleasure to work with you. And then you were kind enough Likewise. to uh, help out with a table read I did, which. Feels like I did a month ago, but I think it was like back in July or some shit. It was a minute, yeah. Jesus it was Christ. July. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just. Uh, but we haven't spent a lot of time together, so not only yeah. am I excited for the audience to get to know you, I'm excited to pick your brain a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. Do you? Uh, I mean, I kind of know you as an actor, but mm-hmm. like, well, how would you describe yourself? 
Yeah, that's that's one of the things. Um, I'm I'm a dad. That's pretty much the <laughs> the thing I am right now. Like totally brand new babies that came in in April. So um, wow, yeah. Um, twins too right twin boys wow yeah caspian and julius <laughs> um they uh yeah and and they're they're great obviously but it's 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 a lot of uh, oh i'm sure work. um between uh my my partner and i we have seven kids so she had two twin girls from previous relationship i had three boys uh 15 11 and 9 so you guys are just out here putting the Brady Bunch to shame at this yeah. point. <laughs> no Alice. Not an Alice insight, my friend. <laughs> so you need it in Alice. Yes. I think um, I saw something recently that was like the the woman that played Alice was only like forty three. Forty when she did yeah. that show. Just yeah. like just goes to show you how much a haircut can oh do. My God. I'm I'm forty six So that's one fact about me there. But I'm older than Alice was. No, that's so cool to that, I mean it must give you like such a different like perspective on things. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, you could say that it's mostly just really, really being tired. All do you, the time. do you feel like, uh, so as far as like the artistic stuff, are yeah. you mostly concentrated on acting or do you have dabbled in writing, directing? Yeah. I know you sent me a while ago, like a short film <laughs> yeah. that you had done, like what, back in school or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so that was a little over two decades ago now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it was a film video class I took at uh, Grand Valley State University. And yeah, I loved it. Editing especially, I don't know why I could go in. And it was old, like it was SVHS, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, totally. N- nothing digital. Just this like monstrous equipment. And it was it was great. I could lose myself for hours in an editing booth then. It's been some time since I've done anything like writing, um, shooting. I mean. Certainly anything behind the camera, I just don't have the time <laughs> resources you, for. Are you more, do you consider yourself more of a theater guy or a film yeah. guy? Um, well, I mean, if you look at what I've done, so it basically started pretty close to five years ago. Um, my now ex-wife, <laughs> um, marriage did not work out. However, I will always be grateful to her for this. And she texted me on my uh, 42nd birthday and said, I know this is random, but I think you should audition for Mamma Mia. <laughs> like, Any yeah, particular reason? Dude, that's random. <laughs> well, she was working for Arts United, or she still she works for Arts United. Um, and uh, yeah, earlier that season, I'd seen my first ever Civic show, which was Rock of Ages. Okay. Um, I just had never gone to the Civic before. Um, so had you told me, you know, that I would be in a show later that season, I probably might have said you were crazy. But like, <laughs> I wasn't fil- or in uh, theater in high school. Like, is that, is that a, is that a singing show too? yeah it's i mean it's not a sing-through but it's i mean it's it's abba it's all their hits and it's crazy dancing uh leslie bochamp was the choreographer oh sure yeah Yeah. leslie's the best so yeah i I was in amazing shape by the end of that show like i I was pretty spry (laughs) um oh that's why you were posting all those pictures of your six pack Uh. (laughs) it's never been close to a six pack but yeah um i did yeah i auditioned uh got called back uh, yeah, I did have to take my shirt off at callbacks. So it was something that happened. Um, and in like the third show I ever did either. I also, well, I was kind of hot tin roof, which you saw, but um, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, for some reason I always forget, like, I love that show. Yeah. And you and Morgan were so good in it. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's, if I could be known for, for one thing, you know, as an actor, as it stands right now, like it is kind of hot tin roof. It was just, it was incredible incredible to do that show yeah i mean that that show's crazy because it's like the first 50 minutes of it is just you and morgan 
yeah. walking around talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was in a towel for the first 20 minutes of that show. That was my wardrobe. And the most unflattering whitey tighties you've ever seen. Nah, I mean, that, that's just the, thankfully. That's, that's the time but, period. Yeah. <laughs> so. They, they took a long time to get underwear, right? I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I watch an older movie, I'm just like, why? <laughs> Guys. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, basically the, the Mamma Mia, I mean, it's kind of launched me into where I've done now, I think seven full productions. Wow. Um, so three at the Civic, all musicals. Um, we did Legally Blonde in the uh, pandemic. So that was at, uh, at Fullinger Theater instead of at the uh, Civic. Uh, and Christmas Schooner was the last one I did there. Okay. Um, and then I've done shows at Arena, um, First Prez, obviously for kind of the Hot Tin Roof. Um, the last show that I did was uh, The Little Prince with uh, All for One, so that, and that was done at, at the Black Box. Yeah, I feel so bad. This is this is very like inside baseball Fort Wayne stuff. So yeah. uh, this it's a limited audience for what I'm oh, about sorry. to say. But no, no, I, I wanted to hear what you did. But <laughs> what I'm about to say is self-serving and pointless but i'm gonna say it anyway uh i just haven't been going to a lot of shows lately and like there was literally a show last weekend that todd was in i don't know if you've ever worked with todd but uh just with daisy on yeah oh sure yeah yeah Yeah, i guess you were uh everybody worked on that (laughs) just the the venn diagram is just like uh but uh he was in a show and it looked really good and i was like i should go see that and the next thing i knew it it was already the, the end of the weekend i was like Guess I'm not seeing that. Like I just, yeah. I love theater, but I just, I don't get out to see it as much as I want to, and it's, it's been frustrating. I haven't, I can't remember even the last show I went to. It might have been fucking Bright Star, which has to have been like a oh. couple years oh, at yeah. this point. Like, oh, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that was beginning of 22. Yeah, I just, at Arena. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I got, I got to get back out there. <laughs> it's, I haven't either. I mean, I'm just, I. You, you've been justifiably busy. I yeah. don't really know what my excuse is. <laughs> but also, there's, I, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm itching, you know, to give it. It's been over a year since my last show. Yeah, um, it's going to be probably another close to a year. I think probably next wow. summer is the earliest before I can do that kind of schedule. Um, available for film. Stuff that, I mean, just, have you, you speaking of uh yeah. have you done anything else besides the stuff you did with me and daisy um just a little bit here and there um so through uh somebody i met a castmate of in mamma mia i was uh able to do uh for punch films did the psa for mm. um promenade park so that kind of la la land looking yeah yeah thing. yeah i'm a in a background in like all those shots okay um <laughs> That you know doesn't really put me front and center there, but like, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty, it's still yeah. a bunch of films is always a big production. Yeah, um, did another, um, it ended up being a, a pretty lengthy YouTube video for Punch, um, <laughs> with uh, with Cat Hickey, where we were uh, a couple who was looking to buy an RV, an RV, <laughs> but it wasn't about the RV, it wasn't like the <laughs> the couch and like the all the seating and the appointments and stuff, it was about like the drivetrain because it was Freightliners, it was the was the the company and um <laughs> so we're talking about you know torque and what's like, that what's that like to do a commercial like that it was it was it, it took a very long time wow um there was their sales like manager or somebody was kind of showing us around it's like he's the salesman <laughs> and we're the the customers and it, it's just like have you said this to normal 
normal people who might, who might actually buy things funny because I, I don't think they care about you know the sway ratio or whatever like it was it got very like esoteric yeah on. it's got to be really weird to like but it's it's on youtube you can go watch it if you like it's it's i'd skip around a lot is it going in the reel uh, yeah it's I, a, a portion a fragment cat's great too i actually i wouldn't say yeah. i worked with her worked with her but she was on a movie that i was sort There's of name dropping all these four yeah That's crazy. whatever yeah. like half my audience is people that know me anyway so that maybe i'll okay, get good. a jolt out of it <laughs> i just want to say she's she's cool i like her yeah uh, oh she was great and so that, that was supposed to be like a two-hour shoot in the morning that was an entire work day wow um, but it was i mean it was it was good they were very nice and i like with punch they're pretty cool and then do you... daisies did some stuff for purdue as well for mm. a, a course um it was a uh, high conflict parenting like divorce class it was like a public thing and uh so yeah i was actually going through a divorce when i was filming it and but it's like oh how, portraying a guy what, what, who what, i hope what, is way way worse than me like like not a what very experience nice shall i draw from guy. for this yeah <laughs> so I did some of that but that's that's pretty much the extent of it besides working with you. do you i mean uh you know for some reason i i I guess I don't know how to say this without just sounding like I'm like uh, sucking you off, but like, <laughs> I had assumed you had a much, a much more extensive like theater career because I've been very impressed with the performance I've seen. Oh, yeah, I never would have guessed you were that recent to it, I suppose. Uh, I, but I mean, yeah. it sounds like even back in college, you at least had an interest in it. So it's not yeah. something that's like you just stumbled ass backwards into it. Like, right. But I mean, yeah, I, I was, I, I feel like, cause I was going to ask him like, do you have, do you feel like you've developed a preference? But I'm like, I don't even know if you've had a chance oh, yeah. to explore as much as you probably will in the future with like film versus theater. I find that some people do tend to side one way or the other. They're both yeah. completely different experiences though, but some people really get a charge out of the crowd. Whereas some people really like just being able to drill really deep into the character work and like explore that. And, and they're very, there i've had a lot of success thankfully like almost like luckily so with taking theater people and putting them on film because like it's it's a much more subtle thing like yeah. as big as you have to be for a crowd on a stage like even the, you flicking your eyes when the camera's right in your face is like a huge movement uh and so i don't know do you how, how have you yeah. found those experiences compare right so there's um i i really enjoy film and i like the subtlety i like i like nuance i like to really um drill down deep and make it so again the, the smallest movement is going to translate to this the largest like reception um but man and and going back to cat on a hot tin roof because that's the best time i've experienced it like if you know me like in conversation for more than five minutes like i'm gonna try to win like a laugh or a smile at you. <laughs> so that's something there it got another one um, so, <laughs> so, so, oh, that's why you brought that chalkboard in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that, that's who I am. And I find that fairly easy to come by. It's pretty easy for me to talk to people. Um, getting that out of an audience is, is great. And, you know, laughter feels great. Applause feels great. But man, there is nothing. And I mean, nothing like rapt attention. And that, I, I think we achieved that on uh, kind of the hot tin roof in a couple scenes where, 
it's it's a different kind of silence. Do you feel it just I mean, do hangs you, there? Yeah, do you it's, feel it's that it's like? Are you able to tell the difference between like people really leaning in oh versus God, like yeah. people just checked out being on their checked phone. out? Yeah. yeah. No, it's <laughs> it is it is palpable. It's it's something that it just it hangs in the air and um you can just feel like breathing and just every little reaction. So, um, yeah, that was, it was great to do a show like that. Like, I don't know how to roof that just allowed for these dramatic builds. And then, you know, that kind of void in which to develop like this. No, I was just, really I was curious. Cause like crazy feeling. Yeah. Uh, I had a film play at the local film festival this year and it got sandwiched in between all these other local films. It, it felt like, every single thing that was in the the block was like a comedy. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like film after film of like, Oh, and, and it was packed because it was all local. So like all their friends and family had come into yeah. practice. It was like, I was sweating my ass off because we, there was so many people in the room and it's like, people are chuckling, laughing, tittering, whatever various adjectives and verbs yeah. you want to use for laughing. And then it gets to my film, which is very much not comedy. It's like yeah. a semi-serious, like romantic, drama thing and it's just like dead fucking silence <laughs> for four minutes and i'm like i can't i wasn't able to tap into whether that was like yeah. rapt attention or if people were just like and the thing was i also it was a thing where it's like when the credits would hit people would clap mm-hmm. but i tried to do something cute with the credits where the two characters were looking at this blank wall and then i start playing the credits on the wall almost as if they're looking yeah. at them and so people didn't know whether to clap. <laughs> and so just remain dead silent through the credits. And I'm just like shrinking lower and lower in my chair. I was just like, I want to fucking die right now. But like people said they liked it. So I guess it turned out okay. Yeah. But I just was like, so it's interesting to me, like maybe because there's a, because you're facing the, the audience, maybe you can kind of get a more general sense. Yeah. Cause I was in the back of the room, just like hunched in my chair, like, Oh fuck. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the opening of the cat on the hot tin roof for sure is like, you're just really, because I, I also really, I mean, it's like <laughs> not a crazy thing to say. Tennessee Williams sure knows his stuff, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, it's like, he does a really good job having your characters not say what they're trying to say, which yeah. is the kind of shit that I really like where oh yeah it's like, you have to try to, you're trying to read between the lines of this argument that these two characters are having because neither of them are actually saying what they want to say to each other. So of course you like if you have a good audience they're going to lean in and just be like cuz I'd never seen like it made me want to go watch the movie but to this day no. I still haven't seen it like so <laughs> I that's, haven't that's either. the only form I've experienced that particular story in which is something I really enjoy is like uh I'd never seen Rocky Picture Horror Show uh mm-hmm. and I saw the stage show for it so I just had no clue what was going to happen oh. from moment to moment I was just like blown away like every minute I was like now this is happening what the <laughs> fuck like it's one of my favorite or Actually, I think I experienced West Side Story that way, too. I, okay. I experienced it stage show version before I ever saw the movie, yeah. which I think is really fun because I think part of, like, the first time you see a story is, like, not knowing where it's going. And, like, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is, like, very intense, and you're not quite mm-hmm. sure what they're driving at most of the time. And then you're like, oh, by the end, like, do you, did you feel like, um, how do you feel about a lot of this? I feel like a lot of the discourse around that particular work has to mm-hmm. do with the what's the name of your character brick brick Pollock. like a lot of it has to do with like the gay subtext and mm-hmm. stuff like that was that something that you guys this is so insular at this point but it's like this is the clockwork orange episode mm-hmm. uh but it's like <laughs> uh was that something that was discussed a lot when you guys were doing the show or was that just kind of like 
neither here nor there. No, I, I, I mean, I think I came to an understanding pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> it is not, I mean, I, you know, I'm a stubbornly heterosexual dude. It's, <laughs> stubbornly. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm a boring cishet white dude. I mean, it's, um, so yeah, and it was a character that, I mean, there was plenty of, um, you know, th there was some ambiguity about it. I mean, uh, we, I was just curious because, like, I know I, when I was reading about it, it felt like the movie really stripped a lot of it. Oh, it absolutely out, did. Yeah. Whereas, like, and then you start reading, like, because but when I watched the stage show, I was like, well, there's a lot going on here with his friend that he talks yeah. about a and lot. And he leaves it right there. <laughs> and that's disappointing. I mean, that's the old movie code, right? The where they, yeah, they very weren't much able to so. even like whisper about about homosexuality and it's which to the point that's crazy yeah. because sometimes when i cover movies for this show i will do like a haze code era movie mm -hmm. and there'll be things where it's like oh yeah and there was homoerotic subtext here and i was like was there <laughs> and it's like well they had to be really really like broad <laughs> to even hint at that kind of stuff so or even things like i did uh i did the maltese falcon mm -hmm. for i just said falcon like he says it in the movie falcon uh, <laughs> uh for this show and there's a time there's a scene where the the femme fatale like comes over and it kind of fades to black and then the next day they're like back on the case or whatever and it's like oh, and so she comes over and they have sex i was like what are you talking about i was like they mm -hmm. absolutely did not what movie did i watch and it's like well they couldn't even start to imply it because this is like Hayes code era stuff so it's like i don't know it's a, it's a bad time for movies for sure not that yeah. no good movies came out during that but it's like yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people have heard me do my, I've ranted many a time on the show about the puritanical American ideals and our adversity to sexuality mm -hmm. in film and we need to get with the times and stuff like that. But it's neither here nor there. But no, that's yeah. really cool. Um, do you, I mean, you said you are looking for more film work, but more theater yeah. work. You really like the attention. Do you, but I mean, speaking of film, you, you know, you made a short at least when you were younger. So, <laughs> What what's your like what has been your history with film in general are you yeah. someone that like you know since like for me when I was growing up I was always watching movies but I was always watching like dumb shit like Disney movies yeah. and like Adam Sandler was my favorite actor and I watched like Dumb and Dumber and Happy Gilmore on repeat and it wasn't until like I'd say like sadly somewhat deep into my college years that I started mm -hmm. to kind of veer into like oh I want to take film more seriously now and like really understand the both the art form of it and just the ability of like analyzing what people are trying to say like right. with their movies it was it wasn't until college that it even occurred to me that people wrote movies like i took a screenwriting class and was like oh yeah i guess somebody has to write this huh because <laughs> like i've been yeah. writing my whole life but i didn't it was that i had this like come to jesus moment of like oh i love movies and i love writing and someone needs to write, write movies, movies. Right. whoa this is super cool it just never occurred to me for some reason because I wasn't that interested in like the biz until I wish I was one of those people that was in my backyard at 12 with like a Super 8 camera just like filming shit. But unfortunately, that's not yeah. my life. Uh, but it's but I'm curious, like for you, was there like what was your movies uh, viewing like as you grew up? Mm -hmm. And was there a moment where maybe you got more serious about film? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, I grew up, um, you know, I was. Uh, the Goonies is where it starts for me. Mm. It's pretty basic, I know, but it is the reason I love movies. I loved the experience going to the movies. Like it wasn't a super common thing. It was in kind of a small town. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, and just the imagination and you 
know, wanting there to be this like network of pirate caves in my backyard and <laughs> just, it, yeah, it, it was, it was everything for me. I mean, I thought it was really, really cool. And I still, I mean, that's one of my favorite watches. Um, but yeah, so from there I, I didn't really get I mean, what, what age would you say is this, uh, Goonies obsession happening at? Well, it was like in real time. So I was eight years old when that movie came out. Okay. So 1985 was a really cool year for movies. I, think. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot that I really like. Some of them. I know they're terrible, but I still love them like Teen Wolf. Um, <laughs> but you, you got real genius in there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a, a fun era of movies anyway. Yeah, Especially totally. the comedies were really, really good. Um, but no, I, I think I started getting more uh, serious about it. I mean, again, I was um, in college and took a, um, I was at the time an advertising major uh, with a film and video minor. So I had just started into it, like the 100 level classes and doing the history of film and stuff. And that's where I really started to learn to kind of pick things apart. Um, and then took a production class as well, which is what I made that short film for. So that was, um, yeah, that's been about 20, a little over 20 years ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's where, I mean, I would, that's where I was introduced. That's, I, I started, I watched Clockwork Orange after taking that, that first class, just, you get kind of introduced to Kubrick and you're like, okay, I think I understand this and, and mm-hmm. want to take a bigger or a closer look at you know, one of his films. And then I don't know, I, I do, I mean, this is, I mean, it's recognized for a reason. It's, it's, it's got some really, um, visually especially i just i love that projection of you know of dystopia kind of projected from the late 60s early 70s so it's all the color all the the clothes all the the design i mean um but yeah so that's um yeah i'm trying to think of 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 my favorites um yeah i'm kind of curious for you uh it's obviously i i rarely i i never try to put people on the spot and say like what's your favorite movie (laughs) because i think that's hard i couldn't answer that question uh but i do like to get a sense for what people generally like look for to get out of film and and like maybe just a smattering of some of like your favorite like i don't know do you have genres that you gravitate towards or you Mm. kind of just like if it's good it's good uh do you i mean do you have some actors or directors that you gravitate towards a lot Mm. um and do you it sounds like maybe you do respond really well to like the set design and the cinematography and like the more technical yeah. aspects of film. Yeah. I, I love to think about, I mean, both, both the, the technical elements and you know, the acting, like how in the world did you, did you get there to be that <laughs> character in that way? You know, that's, that's something that interests me too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do like, I like Wes Anderson. Um, last couple films have been kind of eh, for me. I did like <laughs> asteroid city. Um, but just a nice clear vision. I mean, really, you know, making everything look, you know, kind of buttoned up and with a bow on it. And, um, I, I, I'm interested in that. I mean, in just all the work it takes to make all that happen, you know, on screen. Um, yeah, I'm kind of drawn a blank. I mean, I, I do have uh, great respect for, uh, for Kubrick. <laughs> I really like, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Okay. Um, like Holy Mountain and El Topo. I mean, Holy Mountain, especially it's, I mean, it's insane, but it's. Yeah. The, um, there's a critic that I follow on YouTube. I've been kind of, up and down with him lately and some of his opinions but he generally says the holy mountain is like his favorite film of all time it's I, i've never seen it uh <laughs> should have done that oh my god it's bananas do you uh that's that's one that's a little bit more out there too though oh right? yeah where it's like is there even, is there like a cohesive narrative to that that movie or oh is it... yeah yeah there's there's a, a narrative and uh Yodorowsky tends to he just he breaks a lot of convention um and uh breaks fourth wall typically in his films like sometimes just 
hey, this is important. <laughs> and they'll go into this like diary. <laughs> like at the end of Holy Mountain, they, he does that kind of. I mean, I hope it's not too big of a spoiler, but like the camera pulls away and you can see all the crew and everybody there. And he's both a character and the director. And he just kind of turns and addresses the camera. And it's like, I think he asked a question. It's been a while since I watched that one. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's way out there. But th- there is cohesion and there's very interesting... Um, like metaphor there's there's really good satire there's just commentary basically on you know what a total mess we've all made things so. <laughs> do you uh i mean are there certain eras of film that you find yourself gravitating towards are mm. you like a a big 70s guy or i mean do you are you still into like modern cinema as well yeah um you know lately like especially you know going to the theater i, I get kind of disappointed um <laughs> i don't know it, i'm more critical of acting now i have no grounds to be <laughs> i don't think but i mean i've barely done anything but i i still yeah i don't get you know why things get made stories are just kind of a mess i see some bad writing and bad acting and yeah so there has been a lot that's really kind of blown me away lately um yeah i guess um mo- and especially this is a, a product being stuck at home you know with kids it's a lot of streaming so i'm I was watching a lot of series and, and some of the stuff that's on, you know, Amazon, HBO, Netflix, um, you know, it's right there with the quality of, a, of, a, of something you're going to see in the theater. So Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, I wonder if there's a way to, so, you know, we discussed the Clockwork Orange and obviously we'll dive yeah. into that deeper. I think Harold and Maude was one that we potentially talked about yeah. doing. It sounds like you're a big Jodorowsky fan. I mean, are you... If you're amenable to it, I'd love to just throw some names at you and just sure. see how you respond. Yeah. Um, Tarantino. No. No, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I remember being in college, like Pulp Fiction, when that came out, and uh, True Romance. Well, he was... I don't know he, if he, he wrote it. He wrote it, right. People people have heard me talk about True Romance on this show a yeah, lot. I love uh, True Romance. <laughs> and it's uh, gorgeously written, so quotable, and like, just... Yeah, yeah. My, my big hot take on it is just that... I actually, I do like Tarantino. I'm not, I don't worship it as alter like I used to. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of over that phase, but I've been saying for a long time that I'm very happy that Tarantino did not direct True Romance because I don't think True Romance would be True Romance without uh, Tony Scott's, what he's, right. he's what puts that movie into its own little weird world, whereas if Tarantino had directed it, it's like the, the script is too wish fulfillment-y and yeah. weird, like for... Because he's like clearly Clarence is like a self insert character, yeah. but it's okay because he's not the one that made it. It was another guy that guy handed the script, and he Tony Scott made it a Tony Scott movie. Yeah, uh, and that's what I think makes it really special. Uh, but yeah, I love people have known I, uh, for years that True Romance is one of my favorite movies. Uh, but yeah, so Tarantino I like a lot. It's funny that you brought Wes Anderson up first because I'm a noted Wes Anderson skeptic. To be fair. I've not seen a ton of his movies, but that, that's partially because the ones I have seen, I don't like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, and they are, uh, I've seen bits and pieces of Budapest hotel. Didn't like it. I saw French dispatch. Didn't like it. Yeah. Um, trying to think if there's a couple, there's, there's like at least one or two more that I've seen. But the thing is like, even when I start watching them, I'm just like, no, like I've seen, I think a bits and pieces of what's the Jason Schwartzman one Rushmore where, where he's annoying. You didn't like Rushmore. Uh, <laughs> oh man. I saw a little bit of Moonrise Kingdom and was like, nah, not for me. Yeah. Uh, but, but the thing is, I've come around on that whole thing where I used to kind of trash talk Wes Anderson a little bit. 
but I'm come to the point now where I'm like, I, I totally get why people like Wes Anderson. It's just what he's doing is not, not what you. I'm interested in. Yeah. But I've also realized I'm an incredible hypocrite in that arena because I think you could draw a serious parallel between him and Yorgos Lanthimos mm-hmm. because I think they sort of do somewhat similar stuff in the sense that a lot of the critiques I would levy at Anderson, like all your characters talk the same and it's all just like weird devotion to weird camera tricks and stuff like that. Like Lanthimos does that kind of stuff too. I don't know if you've ever seen any of Lanthimos' movies. He made uh, The Lobster, okay. uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Favorite was one of his. Uh, okay. I have not, I've, I've been aware, I, I haven't seen him yet though. He's like my big like uh, uh, one that I bring up occasionally because like he's, my, he's one of my favorites. I'm very excited. His new film comes out in like two weeks. Uh, and I've just been waiting for forever for it to come out. Um, but yeah, Lanthimos is one of my favorites. Um, do you, I mean, do you watch much like international cinema? Um, I wouldn't say that I do. Like I can, I, and this is going back again, probably 18 years ago, I, I had a cinema center membership mm-hmm. and I think I watched like 40 movies there that year. Um, just really kind of. It was before kids, like just kind of <laughs> <laughs> pedals in the metal, just watch a bunch of movies. So I did see a, a lot of international film there. Okay. Um, I, I'm always um, just curious because like I, as I've, as I've gotten deeper into it, I've also grown to just really, like I'd say if I was like ranking countries, which is a weird thing to do, but fuck it. Uh, <laughs> like I'm really into Korean cinema. Yeah. And then subsequently, like, I, I quite like French cinema and I really like j- just, I mean, I'm a big anime fan. So, of course, I love Japan, okay. but I like Japan. Like, I like their live action stuff too. Right. Like, I've been, I've been trying to put more of a dent in, into that. Like, I, I still haven't seen a lot of like Kurosawa and okay. stuff like that. But like, Korea right now has people like Bong Joon Ho and like Park Chan Wook who are like, yeah. in my opinion, making some of the best movies being made today. So, it's always one of those things where it's like, I'm kind of spoiled, and this is a weird thing to say spoiled, but I'm half deaf, so I've always had to have subtitles on for every okay. movie I watch, and so watching a movie in a language I don't fully understand is not a problem for me, because yeah. even English language movies, I put subtitles on, Right. Uh, and so like some people are just like, I can't read and watch the movie, and I'm like, I get it, I'm spoiled, because I've mm-hmm. been training my whole life to, <laughs> yeah. to essentially watch foreign cinema, uh, <laughs> but it's like, there's some really good shit that people should watch because it's great like i just i defy anyone to like watch i saw the devil and not like be like holy shit (laughs) (laughs) and thankfully like it's getting more recognition like parasite won best picture a few years ago and uh like that's a movie i like showed my parents and they were like holy shit that was great and i'm like yeah yeah. (laughs) but trying to think like uh i mean very recently thanks to this show i finally saw my first tarkovsky movie okay uh I mean, I think that's sort of a, a name you kind of have to bring up if you're talking a little bit about Kubrick because they're sort of operating in the same zones to yeah. a certain extent. I think I think people talk about Tarkovsky and Kubrick like sort of in the same breath at times. Yeah. Like I've seen I've seen comparisons. Also, this movie especially like with all its like weird pseudo Russian slang. Oh is, my god, is, I love uh, it. Uh, <laughs> it's like it, it reminded me a little bit of it. I've only seen his movie Solaris, but I was quite impressed with it. It's someday soon i'll knock stalker off the list and just rip the band on that (laughs) i did start watching stalker not too long ago as a matter of fact yeah yeah it's apparently one of the greatest movies ever made so i'm like i guess i should just watch it but it was pretty fascinating (laughs) from what i saw but my attention span is about you know it's so minimal right now i think i'm about 40 minutes into it yeah i'm trying to think if there's any 
did you because i think the 70s is uh some of my favorite books i've ever read have been mm-hmm. about like because there was like this push towards the end of the 60s it was called like the rise of the auteur right mm-hmm. so like 16 i read a really great book called like e- easy riders and raging bulls and essentially it takes you from easy rider coming out in 69 and that being such a weird fucking movie that hollywood didn't really have any interest in funding that became like the smash hit mm-hmm. um it, I might be completely wrong, but I believe Dennis Hopper directed it, also starred in it. Um, and then, like, from there, late 60s, all through the 70s, you start having this push of, like, filmmakers with a vision, and all of our movies are... That's when you're getting, like, Spielberg's heyday, De Palma, mm-hmm. Friedkin, Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm leaving some big names Coppola. out. Yeah, Coppola, absolutely. Uh, of course. Uh, I don't know... I tend to talk about that era very lovingly. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, if you asked me, I think the 70s was maybe the best period for film, followed maybe by the 90s, but that's mm-hmm. only because I haven't watched a lot of, like, I heard, I heard someone on a podcast whose opinion I respect a lot, like, they, they've mentioned the 30s as actually being kind of a banger uh, year for <laughs> year for uh, right. decade for film, which is, I think that's pre, that is pre-Hayes Code, yeah. uh, so, like, there's probably some cool shit coming out, Yeah, uh, but uh, I don't know... So of like some of those auteurs, do you have like strong opinions on like Scorsese or De Palma or any of those guys? Um, not really. I mean, I've, I've typically liked Scorsese, um, in, in just about everything I've seen. Um, uh, same with, with Spielberg. I mean, you know, obviously he produced on the Goonies, so, you know, (laughs) and and, yeah. So, and I mean, that's, it's a little bit of nostalgia mixed in there for me because I mean, I was a a child in the eighties and. So that's when a lot of those movies were were on. So mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of the other ones you named. Uh, yeah, I'd um, just say like uh, I don't know. Like Friedkin's been on my mind lately because he passed so recently. Okay, yeah. It's like his career's weird. Uh, I just literally this weekend, the most recent episode that I've recorded as of this recording was I did The Aviator, okay. uh, which is a Scorsese film, and I already so I'm not going to retread this territory, but. Scorsese is particularly fascinating to me because I think of most almost everybody from that era. He's one of the only ones that's still doing it mm-hmm. like well. And then I, I kind of <laughs> I, I I'm I'm kind of a noted like I don't know if I would say like skeptic, but I've always been a little hard on Spielberg. Yeah. But I'm also just like he also made Jaws and Jurassic Park. So like what yeah. the fuck do I have to say? <laughs> it's just like some of his more recent stuff I've not been particularly enthralled by. But it's like motherfucker also made Raiders of the Lost Ark. So like, what yeah. the hell? What the <laughs> hell is there? To, like, he's made some of the gr- truly good, greatest movies of all time. Uh, like, undeniable in my opinion. Like, yeah. uh, like I can watch Jaws endlessly. I think that's a, yeah. like, a borderline perfect movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but I also didn't really like his West Side Story <laughs> adaptation. So <laughs> you can't win them all, Steve. <laughs> I mean, motherfuckers made like seventy movies. So what are we, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, there's this thing that like. Tarantino talks a lot about uh, having an obsession with having like a perfect filmography. And I think it's tough because like, I don't think I really have that kind of approach, but I think it's worth bringing up because it kind of fits pretty neatly. And when you think about Kubrick, right. And so I guess we're we're here at this point, probably talk about the subject of the episode, but like I should, I should set the table and say like, I've not seen a lot of Kubrick. So first, first and foremost, I was running through the list and I realized that I've seen Eyes Wide Shut, I've seen The Shining, 
I've seen the first half of Full Metal Jacket several times. For some reason, I always stop watching when they get to the, the war part. Uh, I don't know <laughs> okay. why. I just haven't seen the war parts. So I, if you ask me anything about the, the, the training part of Full Metal Jacket, I can You're tell there. you the answer. If you ask me anything after that, uh, sex worker, after Gomer Pyle. like, yeah, like anything after that sex worker says like $5 or whatever <laughs> yeah. she says, I got nothing after that. Uh, so apologies, but I've not seen 2001, not seen Barry Lyndon. I've not okay. seen, uh, the, and I think of the name of the bomb, Dr. Strange Love. Love. I haven't seen Strange Love. I haven't seen Lolita. Uh, uh, I haven't even seen AI, which is technically not his movie cause he died and then yeah. Spielberg took over. But yeah, so it's. But the thing is, like, I was reminded when I pulled up his filmography, he's not made that many movies. No. Like, he's, like, directed, as far as I can tell, like, 11 movies or something like that, 12. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. but the thing is, like, I have a very mixed feelings about him, because I, I, and this is super blasphemous to say, but I'm not the biggest fan of The Shining. Uh, okay. It's like, to be fair, it's been a long time since I've seen it, and maybe now that I'm older, I would get it more yeah. um i liked eyes wide shut a lot i actually go, oh, okay. I, I go back to that one more than i probably should mm. um i just something about that one really hit for me was it the orgies <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it's mostly nicole okay. kidman honestly okay. Uh, <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i love nicole kidman <laughs> yeah god i always forget i i, I love her stupid amc <laughs> this ad, is why so. we yeah <laughs> <laughs> we come here to laugh to cry to so. attend a masked orgy. <laughs> our heroes feel like the best parts of us. <laughs> there she is. Because here, they are AMC. <laughs> she, I always forget my favorite line that she says. What's the really stupid line that she has? Oh, oh, no. we, I feel like it's, we come here to something. I, yeah. <laughs> it escapes me. I, was, I haven't been the movies in a minute. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just one of my favorite things. I love Nicole Kidman so much, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've long meant to do 2001 and strange love for the show. Mm -hmm. I've been afraid to do them because 2001 is like one of those movies where one out of every five, like film fans will say it's either in their top 10 or th their favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. And much like Wes Anderson, to a certain extent, I think sometimes Kubrick is after certain things with his films that are not what I come to movies for like me. And I mean, anyone that's listened to the show and, but I'll explain it because like we're getting to know each other, you know, yeah. like I, I care about character. I care about like performance. I like good cinematography and I appreciate it, but all the good cinematography and set deck in the world can't save me not being engaged with the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm excited to talk to you about this film because I'm feeling very mixed about it. Uh, and part of uh, one of the major factors of why I feel so mixed about the movie is I don't like being smashed in the face repeatedly with what I feel like is like the message of mm -hmm. the film. And this film feels like that sometimes, but at the same time, it's one of those things where when you listen to people talk about it, it's like, also kind of the point and also it's mm -hmm. actually not the point because it's actually saying this about this and stuff like that and i'm excited to like dig into like what you yeah. take away from the film as someone that's like actually had more than uh let's see what time is it had more than three hours <laughs> to think about the movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like is the classic case of 
I, I fucked around too much this weekend and probably should have watched this like two <laughs> yeah. days in advance so I could like right. mull it over. Uh, so, and I just want to preface this entire conversation with like, hey, I'm just some fucking guy. Like if I, if I say like some, like if I miss the mark on a clockwork orange or if I say something about the God Kubrick that people <laughs> are like, are you, what the fuck do you know? Like, I don't know shit. <laughs> like yeah. Stanley Kubrick is Stanley Kubrick for a reason. Uh, and I'm, I'm me. <laughs> so all I could do is talk about how I honestly felt about the film, but it sounds like this is one of your, you said you were, re- I mean, you really, really like this movie. Yeah. It's, I'd say it's in my, my top 10. Like I said, it's one of like five movies um, on my iPad that I can just, I know I can, you know, watch for whatever mood or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just like visually it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, you're kind of talking about the, um, the age of the auteur, um, you know, and that was coming out of the sixties. And, um, so yeah, it's a, you know, at a time where we were starting to see a relaxing and you know, the violence that was allowed on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, a really interesting time for Kubrick as well. I mean, he's just done 2001, so he's coming off of that. I mean, this is this is prime Kubrick. This mm-hmm. is like him, yeah, wielding resources and just I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, yeah. So, um, I'm curious. Like, I I'd love to go back to. I hope it doesn't feel like I'm grilling you, yeah. uh, but the, the, I I'm interested in you saying like, oh, this is a movie you, uh, you know you'll throw on occasionally, yeah, because like I do find like this movie quite disturbing to watch yeah. at times and and i'm curious like is it one of those things where you're so familiar with the material it kind of just washes over you or yeah like, and it's like, a I, weird I, thing to say i know because there there is some some shocking violence i know in what you mean show. like it's i mean it's it's not gore but it's just mostly by virtue of like the victims it's it's a scary thing yeah and it's meant to be kind of in your face but um it's like the speech the the visuals um you know, also, I mean, respect for like the shots and everything. It just, it's, it's just a, a well done thing. It really, um, it really draws you in for sure. And, and, and I get it too. Like I, uh, I'm noted to have like, uh, there was a period where I was throwing on like the movie Miss 45, uh, on like routinely. And that's a movie that opens very brutally. Mm. Uh, like, uh, not, I'm not saying like, oh, you've seen that yeah. random movie, but, uh, it's like, if, if uh, like it's a movie that I even have trouble recommending to people because I'm like, well, there's like back to back sexual assaults to open that yeah. movie, so it's kind of a weird movie to throw on occasionally. But the la- the next seventy minutes are a woman just shooting evil people, so that's why I like watching it because <laughs> <laughs> it go. feels it feels cathartic in a way. I, I I I mean, and there might be something to the Clockwork Orange because it's such a twisted world that there's a review I read that interested me where they said. They, they were a little bit hard on the movie and I, I I found the way they phrased this interesting in them saying that like people that are bad people, one of the problems that they have with this movie is like bad people will watch this movie and be like, well, I'm not that bad at least. And like not take God. the right messages from the film because of course the film is, you know, exaggerating things in a, well, some, somewhat. Cause I mean, there are truly despicable people out in the world or whatever, right. but the point is like in movies, things are 10 to get your message across. You tend to turn things up to 11. Uh, and so this movie's turning things up to 33, <laughs> yeah. honestly, to get it's like messages across. I think I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I do feel a little out of my depth in terms of like maybe thematically what they were actually going for. But at the same time I could see it's the same thing where I, I jokingly will say like, 
people will like idolize. Uh, well, I, I saw something funny where Bill Hader was talking about how much he likes this movie, but it does weird him out that sometimes people will like dress up as yeah as Alex. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like, did you? Did we watch the same movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. the thing is like, I kind of get the appeal because it's like a pretty iconic outfit. So oh, yeah. it's like, seems like a slam dunk outfit to just throw on, but it also worries you that you're getting in the territory of like, oh, are you the guy that like took the wrong messages from Fight Club and was like, yeah, yeah. burn it all down and we ha we all have to be men and, mm, yeah. and keep it in and die. and or Starship Troopers. No, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Right. yeah, people that take Starship Troopers seriously. Uh, and it's like, that's a really tough space to be playing in because it's not really the filmmakers fault people take the wrong lessons away from their movies. Yeah. Like I think that I read there was people claiming that like, Oh, this movie's going to promote violence yeah. and people are going to try to imitate oh, yeah. the, the crimes and stuff like that. Kubrick himself <laughs> had it pulled. Yeah. Because, because of that, because um, I, I don't think there was any kind of rational connection. There was, I think there were a couple of crimes or beatings or something that yeah. had some things in common and people really kind of lost their minds. But um, it was ultimately Kubrick that was like, okay, just, just pull it. Um, and I think it was for like a year, year and a half. Wow. It didn't show in England, like right after it premiered. I mean, it only ran for a short time as I understand it, but yeah, it's, it's really tough. Like that's something that's always been a really hard, uh, conversation is like the relationship between like movies and violence. At the end of the day, I've always said that like, we have to understand that we separate what's on screen and, and what's real life. Right. But sometimes people, it's like. I'll read like really nasty things about like some people just like stick their head in the internet and video games for so long that the world starts to feel like a video game to them. And I've like read a couple pretty gnarly posts that people have like made before they've gone on like shooting yeah. rampages and stuff like that, where it's just like, yeah, I just felt like I was in a first person shooter. And oh, it's like, no. but it's like, it's not the game's fault for right. that. Like an unhinged individual is going to be an unhinged individual. And so it's tough. Like I, that, that's, that's a hard one to, to parse or whatever, but is there, um, I'd say we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the movie scene by scene, but is there anything that you'd like to preface before we like get into the film in terms of either your history or is there anything like you want to mm -hmm. highlight overall about it before we like just start getting into the scenes? Um, something I do do a lot is sometimes I do highlight the actors a little bit ahead of time. Yeah. But I mean, we can also do it as the problem with this film in particular is I'd say there's one guy I recognize, so I don't really okay. know what to say about almost anybody else other than having seen them in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know who Malcolm McDowell is. That's uh, it. I got nobody else really. That's all you need. <laughs> and Malcolm McDowell is his own strange beast. Like, oh man, he's I, awesome. I, I always forget that he like did stuff like this back in the day because like, a lot of his later career is just like showing up for two scenes to be in like one yeah. of the worst movies you've ever he was seen. On, he was on Entourage. <laughs> he had a recurring role. I always am happy to see him, but he's like, I've seen him and God, sometimes he'll just, man, the movies he's in are just the worst, like just yeah. the worst thing ever. <laughs> but he's, but he's always good. Like, and when I see him and, uh, I don't know, like he's in the player or, uh, I always forget that he was in the, the Holly, Holly, Wayne. <laughs> Halloween, uh, <laughs> the uh, Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Oh God! Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, he's the villain in Tank Girl. That's that's a fun yeah. turn. Uh, <laughs> oh, he'll turn <laughs> a bit of the old, uh, <laughs> a bit of the old Tank Girl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess we can just dive yeah. dive right into it. I 
spent so long picking your brain about random shit. We should probably just talk about the movie. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we can do that too. <laughs> uh, so right off the bat, kind of interesting where a uh, bold choice with the opening credits here to just like these like really red. vivid like yeah. reds and greens and yeah. stuff like in a way that like immediately I was like, man, it's one of those things where if I, if someone like sent me their short film and they open and like the first thing I saw was this like gross bright red <laughs> thing. And it said like their title, I'd be like, Oh God. Uh, but for some reason, since it's Kubrick, you're like, okay, let him cook. Let's see what's going on. Here. <laughs> yeah. Let's stand. Uh, we open, this is another case. Uh, something that happens a lot with me doing this show is yes. I've never seen the movie before, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie. That's like, oh okay this is that shot or oh mm-hmm. this is that scene and right yeah. off the bat the first shot is like oh yeah i've seen this the Corova milk bar yeah i've seen the I, I think people straight up just call it the kubrick stare where, yep, where, that's where, what, where, yeah where your head's like tilted down a little bit and you're looking Come up on. at the camera so like malcolm mcdowell he's playing alex yeah. he's like looking straight at the camera and we just do this really long mm-hmm. Yep. Pull back. Oh my god, a tracking shot. What? <laughs> and and yeah, they're in this they're in the milk bar. The Malacca. Uh, <laughs> uh and like I think we're getting narration almost immediately here. Yeah. As well. It's uh, uh Alex will be talking to us throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um some I'd say some fun VO because I, I like that it's very firmly planted in the character. Uh and he never like he talks just like he's just telling us what he thinks mm-hmm. and like some of it's like despicable and some of it's awful and like i, I really like a lot of the stuff where he's like your humble trotting upon <laughs> narrator poor me oh, or my whatever. brothers yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like what <laughs> you're a piece your of humble shit narrator. <laughs> uh but yeah they're they're in a milk bar i guess i guess this is like a future dystopian world to yeah. a certain extent uh, so again, near near future projected from like late sixties, early seventies. So yeah, everything looks really cool. I want to own every single piece of audio equipment <laughs> that they have. And it's like all the record players and stuff, all the yeah, the little m- weird cassette things. Like the milk bar me- in particular is hard because it's just like all the furniture is like naked statues of women. And so yeah. right off the bat, I'm like, okay, so what's what's going on here? But then it's like just a regular bar. Yeah, they don't they don't do it in this scene, but later when they come back, they like get the milk out of the boobs of the statues, they which sure I was like, do. what the hell? Uh, <laughs> but even the tables are, I was at least like relieved to find that those were just statues because there was yeah. a moment where I was like, is this going to be like real women that are like painted that are like their tables this is and not shit. eyes wide shot <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't know how far Different we're going movie. here yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's sort of like i guess orienting us um it's worth saying that well f- first things first two things worth saying are this is based on a book but because yep. it's kubrick the book only kind of matters because Kubrick tends to just do whatever he wants uh it sounds like there are quite a lot of similarities yeah it's between- actually relatively faithful mm-hmm. and some of the things that make it different are actually kind of cool um yeah and i mean and that being said like i'm not a I, I used to be a book purist but i'm not anymore so i'm yeah. like i'm always like have at it like dude, interpret it however you want to interpret like i know some of the differences are like there's a lot more crimes that they get up to in the book i believe that uh the sex scene that he has with the two women in the book is actually like two very underage girls that he assaults uh Apparently the ending is quite different. Yeah, uh, so the entire last chapter 
um, the American publisher did not like it and so cut it. <laughs> um, so Kubrick never read the last chapter oh, really? before he wrote the screenplay. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he wasn't aware of it. And it is a redemptive. Yeah. Like it brings Alex all the way back around. Yeah. It's like the last chapter of, of the full book is he's like, yeah, you know, maybe crime isn't for me anymore. Yeah. I guess I'll settle <laughs> like, down. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, I've, I've heard a lot of mixed things about, I read a couple quotes, like people quoted the author as like, see this, this is like any people that don't like this movie. Sometimes it seems like they're bringing up that the author has like explicitly said like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a violent book, whatever. But I'm like, that's all fine and dandy, but that doesn't mean that what Kubrick was doing, like he took the material and did what he was just wanted to do with it. And there's been like, I mean, he did it with the shining as well. Like for a long time, like Stephen King was like openly saying he, he, didn't like the shiny when it first came yeah. out because it basically has fuck all to do with the book that he wrote but it's like steven maybe every book you wrote on cocaine wasn't the <laughs> wasn't the perfect book <laughs> maybe you just maybe you need to let people make shawshank redemption and the green mile and, and deviate wildly from what you actually wrote and yeah. to make good movies sometimes and i say that as a i love stephen king okay. uh, but it's like not is you ever notice all your the movies based on your stuff that are good deviate wildly from the book yeah <laughs> oh for sure again i love um, him <laughs> well as i understand it so burgess was um i think he was good with the film when it came out with the exception of you know where's the last chapter um but as i understand it kubrick left a lot of the defending of the movie to burgess instead of like you know being vocal about you know why this is so violent why you know this is presented the way it was. He left it to Burgess and that I think kind of drove a rift. Yeah. I think that I don't know a lot about Kubrick, but I think he's very firmly in the camp of like, I have no interest in explaining to you why my <laughs> yeah. movies are the way they are. <laughs> like he reminds me of Lynch in that, in it's that sense. Brand. Like yeah. Lynch is like, no, because especially since Lynch's movies are so weird. Yeah. All people ever do is ask him like, well, what was the point of that? And he just goes, I don't know. Figure it out yourself. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I love you. Like, it's not, it's not for the director to have to hold your hand. Because right. A, they don't have to explain themselves. And B, at the end of the day, other people's interpretations of your work can be valid. You know, like yeah. I, I texted a couple of my friends today to be like, what do you think about Clockwork Orange? And I noticed that one of my friends singled out that uh, McDowell like improvised the singing in the rain. Yes, chunk. And, but it becomes like such a through line in the movie. Oh my god, it's a key plot uh, which, device, which is interesting to me because while supposedly it was improvised, like Kubrick still understood like how great it was and incorporated yeah. it into the film to the point where they bring it back up to remind the guy yeah. that it's that it's Alex, and then they end the movie credits by just playing the song. Yeah, so I'm like, that's one of the deviations I was talking about. That it it's all. <laughs> It, it played off of McDowell's improv, which is crazy. Yeah, but it's like it's like it's cool that McDowell impro improved it. But I also like I didn't get around to texting him back. I'm like, but so I hadn't finished the movie yet, mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, but he does like reinterpret. He like reincorporates it into the movie, so he at least yeah. like knew what he had, which I think oh, is yeah. just as valid. You oh, know? sure. And I'm sure you you found like sometimes like filmmaking is about like the happy little accidents that yeah. that come about. Kubrick obviously being a very precise filmmaker, though, so I don't know. It was like that famous Shining story where they slammed that guy in the chest with the axe like 70 times. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, 
actually, you know what? The second one was good. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Thanks, Stanley. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know. And it's tough because he's a complicated figure. Like if you talk about him, yeah. uh, people be pretty quick to bring up like how much he fucked with Shelley Duvall and like yeah, mess with her. Un- it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, actually, you know, Kubrick's like a real stand up guy or whatever, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's not really what we're discussing. It, it is what it is. Yeah. Some people, that kind of stuff is insurmountable. Like I saw a pretty interesting conversation recently about like, no, that's bullshit. You can't separate art from the artist. But I've always said that, especially with film, like, mm-hmm. I think if there's any art form that you can separate the art from the artist, it's, it's film because a, it's such a collaborative thing. It's not just one thing. It's right. like, like or one I, person, right? It's like, I watched like Chinatown. I feel okay being like Chinatown's a great movie. It's like, yes, the guy that directed it did some despicable shit, mm-hmm. but it's like, that doesn't change the fact that like, it's a really well-made movie. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. But for some people it's, it's, it's not like, I mean, and, and to be fair, I'm not running out the door to watch Woody Allen shit. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I just wanted to mention it while it was on my yeah. mind. Uh, Cause it, it does feel funny. Like to talk about a movie where Kubrick's like showing these like abhorrent, uh, actions and then it's like well you did kind of like drive a woman insane yeah. once like, was this your plan because this was before the shining like was this the blueprint like hey shelly heads up uh they uh alex tells us they're getting psyched up to go and do a bit of the a bit of the old ultra violence uh oh that was the tangent i got they there's like a lot of slang in this movie yeah it's great uh they use it enough that you start kind of zeroing in on what yep. the slang means because mm-hmm. you start being like oh that's what he calls women or like he says a bit of the old this that and the other thing or, in out in the, out the, the in out or whatever you're like oh that's his weird way of saying sex or you know yeah something much worse uh <laughs> but yeah they they go they go out romping and apparently their idea of fun is to Find a houseless Irish man mm-hmm. singing a little song in a, in a tunnel, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they they have a bit of an exchange, like some really great cinematography here. Like I really oh, like yeah. when he leans in and like just the way they're backlit and exactly. stuff. But like they just start kicking the shit out of this guy. <laughs> yep. And like I knew this movie was like brutal, but I was just like Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not gore. It's not like all the way in your face, but it's just so. Again, it's the, it's the victim. It's it's the ease like yeah comes out of nowhere and and we're getting this voiceover where he's just like i hate people that sing i (laughs) don't like crooners and you're just like okay Uh, but yeah like they just uh like you mentioned there's a lot of shots in this movie that just hold for a while and it does like it's one of those things where and it goes to show you like i think that sometimes I, i meet a lot of low budget filmmakers that they're just really obsessed with like well, I don't, I can't do all these crazy camera moves and stuff like that. I'm like, some of the most effective shots in this movie are just a camera on a tripod while yeah. you're just watching these horrific things happen. Yeah. Uh, it took like when they were dunking his head in the bath after a while, I was like, they have not cut. He's just been yeah. in that bathtub for like two minutes. He's done some like circular breathing or something. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I hope it, 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 it like nuts. started to occur to me. And like when they're beating this guy up, it just is in this wide shot. Like, and you're just, are you done? <laughs> yeah, you're just like watching them, like presumably fake batons, but they're still like kicking the shit out of this guy. Yeah, this is one of those, and this is one of those movies where it's like this movie's also old enough that you're just like, hmm, how, how safe were they actually being during <laughs> most of this shit? Like when they're just like manhandling people, yeah. you're just like, eh, I feel like some people got hurt. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. 
I it's, mean, but then there's like a, you watch an interview and McDowell's like, "This is one of the best movies I ever did. I had such a good time doing it." And I'm like, "Did you?" Like, it's one okay. of those things where sometimes I'll read uh, some movies that seem like they're like the most horrific movies of all time will actually have like really chill environments. I, I remember yeah. I've not seen the movie because I don't want to subject myself to it. But there's a movie called uh, Sallow, 120 Days I of Sodom, it, yeah. uh, and like I've read interviews where they're like, "Oh yeah, we were having a fucking great time." And like, doing the worst things, yeah, the, on like, camera, and then like, yeah, as soon as the cameras were off, we were just partying, hey. drinking, having fun. Like I was like, oh, really? Because it's like renowned for how traumatic it is. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, yeah, they were shooting like some soccer movie across the way, and they were like miserable, and we were like having a great time, like <laughs> pretending to eat shit and like <laughs> like getting fire pokers shoved up our asses or whatever the hell happens in that movie, <laughs> and so on, right? Uh, but. It was funny because when I pulled up a Clockwork Orange on Letterboxd, that was one of the movies that was recommended. <laughs> oh, good. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. I think I'm setting myself to be look like a total psychopath <laughs> having this on my iPad. No, I mean, no, but it's good. <laughs> the thing is, most people agree with you. Like, I was like on Letterboxd, and it's just like five-star review after five-star mm-hmm. review after five-star review. And I was really interested in like, because I'm I, as someone that's like, a little lukewarm on the movie myself like i want to know i believe people when they get a lot out of this and I, but i mm-hmm. want to know what i want to drill down into what they are getting out of it and like what they're seeing and, and it helps when i do these episodes because i start talking about it and i'm like oh that was a really great shot or i really do like how it's backlit or his mm-hmm. cheeky narration is actually pretty funny like there's a couple times like maybe this is dark to say but i laughed a couple times in this movie there's oh, like yeah. a couple like dark jokes that are funny yeah uh, <laughs> like down to total slapstick towards the end there. Oh, yeah. The doctor and the nurse scene, like, it felt completely out of nowhere. Like, one one review pointed out, like, some of the music is very, like, Looney Tunes mm-hmm. at times, which is like, like, where they're doing these, like, horrific things, and you're just oh, yeah. like, it's like, it's cartoonish to a certain extent, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's meant to lighten the blow, or if it's meant to add even more, like, darkness to it. I, I'm not mm. sure. It kind of does both in a weird way where it's like you're able to sort of detach yourself enough to not take it too seriously like when i watch a movie like this and guys are like grabbing a woman and like getting ready to like do stuff to her i tend to like mentally check out a little bit in a way Mm -hmm. where i just start thinking like i wonder how they filmed this like (laughs) like i wonder like i like i wonder what they talked about it's like oh yeah i'm gonna like cut little holes in your shirt and expose your oh boobs. God. Like I was like, I was like, I wonder if they like discussed that or if that was random. Yeah, I hopefully I she was treated- any kind of coordinator on that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Intimacy or yeah. I don't otherwise. think there's any intimacy coordinators on a Yikes. clockwork orange. <laughs> I think they would have shut the, the movie down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of which uh, it's kind of funny because it's almost like having never watched this movie before, I still knew that they were going to do just as despicable things. But it is funny to have like the third scene in the movie be this other gang is about to assault a woman. Yeah. And then Alex, like, they kind of inadvertently show up and save her in a weird way. But it's like, yeah. that's not what he was trying to do. No. Like, he more, he just, they just wanted to fight. Uh, like, it was like a side effect that the woman actually got away. Right. Uh, but, and then I will say, <laughs> this is definitely one of the highlights of the movie for me. Cause this fight is fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're flying. <laughs> they're, just, they're jumping. They're all of a sudden there's like a second, like a turnbuckle. <laughs> jump off of, like, they're just like, they're just finding random yeah. pieces of like windows and just smashing them over each other's yeah. heads and like going 
crazy. The derelict church, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> I, just, I was just like, there's no way someone didn't get grievously injured <laughs> during <Yeah>. this. <laughs> and again, like the set design, because they're in this weird church and it's just like been ransacked and mm -hmm. it just looks so decrepit and messed up. Um, I don't know for you if there's any like, I mean, in terms of like some of the the violent aspects of it, do you like have any particular like highlights of this fight or anything? Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's one, uh, where I think it's Georgie comes flying through like feet first, like he's jumping through like a turnstile or something and just perfect like contact <laughs> and, and the flying chairs. And yeah. Um, I also, uh, I, I like, uh, at the end of the fight, where you know you can hear the sirens in the distance and all of a sudden alex can hear him and he's looking around and he does like the perfect like cartoon like werewolf like arched over pose that and he's just like heaving <laughs> he's breathing it's i don't know it, it kind of cracks me up every time because it, it's like a jim carrey almost kind of thing that he's no you know that's it's an interesting thing uh i'd like to uh get into this a little bit where i've noticed another thing that people talk about with this film is like how much they love mcdowell's performance in yeah. this movie and it's like hearing you talk about that just now i have a feeling that this is the kind of movie where he's doing a lot more than you realize at first oh, yeah. blush and this being the first time i've ever seen it like i'm probably i'm probably i'm i, I when you said that i'm like i vaguely can picture what that looked like but i don't think i fully caught that i have a feeling like this is the kind of performance that you watch a few times until yeah. you pick up on like all the like little things that he's doing. And it's tough because this is also a movie that doesn't spend a lot of time close on faces. And so you're, you're mostly in wides. And so I think you're, sometimes you're missing some of the things that he's doing. So I don't know for you. I, it sounds, I mean, do you, would you put this performance up there? With oh like, yeah. One of the best. Yeah. For is sure. there anything about it that, like really sticks out to you in terms of like because i there are times where i think he's really nailing like like when he has to be like smug and smarmy mm -hmm. he's like killing it in my opinion but there's times where it's it's i'm always like trying oh, no he's honestly just really good in the movie the more i think about it because like he has to go through all these like layers like i'm really impressed with the whole chunk where he has to get sick at the thought of certain things because like that noise that he makes is insane. Like, I don't yeah. know if that's Foley or if he's actually doing that. Yeah. Like, it's like every time he does that, it's like full commitment, right? That, that weird, but it's not even like a wretch. It's like kind of a burp. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so weird. Uh, and it's like, it like making, it made it's me, visceral. It made me like <laughs> nauseous. Like every time he started to do it, and yeah. I was just like, huh. Cause there was like at one point where I was like eating some cereal while I was watching it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I should be doing this right now. <laughs> He's, um, yeah, physically, he's just amazing. I mean, think about all the things he had to do, um, for this performance, whether it's, I mean, crazy, uh, fight scenes, um, you know, the choreographed violence against just random people. Um, but then also, I mean, he's got to be kind of charming, um, and that kind of the, the smarmy, um, very well-spoken, like possessing of a pretty incredible vocabulary i mean yeah. for, for a for a hoodlum i mean the dude he's got got all the best words um but <laughs> yeah um well there was another thing that i i noticed like especially in scenes where they talked a lot more especially the younger folk mm -hmm. uh 
there was something like weirdly Shakespearean about the way their sentences like flow. Oh, yeah. Especially like when the droogs are talking to each other. He's yeah. like, I mean, I, I don't have any like of I don't have any of them written down, so I can't like pull them out of my ass. But like there's a scene it's like where, a heightened speech. Like, yeah, there's a scene where he like smacks his friend on the knees and the friend gets really offended. Right. Bedways like, is right ways. Yeah, he's like Let's go home, big get this spatchka. <laughs> he's just like, Oh, is there a meaning to your disturbance that you'd like to tell me, sir? And oh he's my like, brother, sir. He's like, I bite my thumb at thee. I bite my thumb at yeah. thee. Like uh, uh, <laughs> that was that's what was giving me a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was interesting that um you know, with the the vernacular, it's all you know. It's the the kids are, and it's mostly Alex. If you're really being honest, it's using that language. I think it's Natsat is what they refer to it as. That. Yeah. Um. So it it sounds amazing. It just with the the Russian with the the Cockney that mix is oh, so good. <laughs> um. But um, anytime another adult is talking, it is so. I, that's one of the things I, I kind of picked up on on multiple watches is. Every adult is a total cartoon. Yeah. With the way they talk. I mean, they, they, many of the men sound like Snagglepuss, you know, from like the old Hanna Barbera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's a good point. It's heavens even. That was something, yeah. that was something that kept throwing me. And now I'm realizing it was mostly the adults that they, cause like, I think the highlight is the writer wheelchair guy. Yeah. He's like the peak cartoon in this right. movie and i just was like this has i mean it's kubrick i'm like this guy's performance has to be what he was asking for like <laughs> but i just like found myself about to pop yeah but i found <laughs> myself pressure. being like but why yeah <laughs> well and there was the uh the warden there at the prison that just shouted everything oh yeah the military like yeah cadence to everything it's like you will address me as sir <laughs> yeah and just the way he got so angry he couldn't control his the volume of his voice when he was like in her shut your mouth you scumbag like just, <laughs> you couldn't do it and he, he's one that you know if you're watching you know an actor and trying to take apart you know how they got to that place i'm like man <laughs> that so this guy a he has a crystal clear understanding of of good and bad and very inflexible on that uh b i don't think this man has ever masturbated in his life because <laughs> he's he's there's just a well of rage in that <laughs> prison guard. And Kubrick would go on to find Arlie, uh, Ermy. Is it Ermy or Emery? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Ermy. And then hey, just he's kind of a... finally like, uh, hit the peak with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there are a couple. There's like the, the governor, I think, of the prison. And there are some people. There's a nurse towards the end who's very, like, but for the most part, especially the men are just. Well, the, his, his like parole officer guy. Yeah. Yes, is, it, Mr. Deltoid. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what is this guy? Because that's the first, that's the first guy that shows up in the movie where I was like, wait, what is this character? Like, this was like, why is he just like, oh, you know, <laughs> absent from school, I see, my boy. And, you know, no time, no time sitting next to me. I was yeah. like, what, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> Speaking of, we're almost to that. Uh, first, though, uh, they steal a car. We get this like wow. insane, like I, I don't think it would have been green screen at the time, but however the hell they did the shot wow. where they're just all in the car. And it's just like, like, I, I don't know if it's rotoscoping or what, what they, or where the other cars are crashing over the, like rear projection. I think yeah. is the word I was looking okay, for. Yeah. Uh, Cause whenever there's a shot of the four of them in the car, the clown car, it's just, it literally looks like a shot from the movie cool world. Yeah. Uh, like when the cartoons are driving down this crazy highway, which I was just like, 
I was really taken. I was like, oh, this is crazy. But it's also like, at, like this is like the fourth thing that happens in the movie. And I'm just like trying to wrap my head around <laughs> what the tone of this is. And they're yeah. just like driving people off the road and yeah. screaming. And, playing and, hogs of the road. <laughs> yeah, hogs of the road. They, they, they end up at home. So there's just a house called home for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and then this is where we get the uh, infamous singing in the rain Oof. scene. I was just like, thankfully I was mentally, because I had, I'd like known about that scene. So I was like mentally prepared for yeah. it. It's like too infamous of a scene to not. Yeah, it is <laughs> the trigger warning. Yeah. yeah for, it's like, I mean, it's actually, it's not even the first, you know, sexual assault that happens yeah, in the movie. I know. I was like, I was like, oh, but cause like when, the, when, when they like accidentally yeah. save that woman, I was like, well, they're going to don't, don't worry. Film fans. You're still going to yeah. get, you're still going to get one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Chekhov's sexual assault there. Yeah. It's also like uh, the, these people's house is just, absolutely insane like the little pod that she's oh, in yeah. when she's like i'll get the door dear i was like what are you sitting in right now this is insane but like yeah so she she rightfully doesn't want to let them in but then the guy's like i'll oh, let them in and then you know i don't know i'm not going to go into deep detail here but it's like yeah they kick the shit out of the guy they uh assault i, I guess i'll uh the, the one thing is like you see a lot but at least it doesn't make you sit in it yeah. Uh, like some movies do so I was, I was thankful for that because i was like i don't know what this movie's got up its sleeve at this point i wouldn't be surprised if i had to spend five minutes like watching them do the deed i was grateful yeah. when it cut away it's one of those things i actually just talked about it on the aviator episode i think i do have a respect for movies that try to put you in that headspace and make you really feel what it must feel like to be there but i also am like just as someone watching a movie casually it's just like i don't need to see this and yeah and it, it it does still hang on it for quite a while. Like it takes them a while to like go to town with the scissors and all, all that crazy shit. And and again, the whole time I'm just like sort of detaching myself a little bit and being like, Hmm, I wonder how, I wonder how she felt shooting this scene. I was oh like, my God. I was like, did they have to do this 70 times too? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, no. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to watch and like, it's supposed to be hard to watch, but it's tough. Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, they, uh, they, they dabble in a bit of the ultraviolence, yes. uh, singing in the rain. Yeah. And so then they end up back at the milk bar for like a nightcap. This is where mm -hmm. we see the boob spit out the milk and yep. how uh, are you Lucy? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and again, it's like, it's one of those things where if I was in college, I took a lot of like gender studies classes, right? Like I could see myself, like, I don't think I'd want to like necessarily try to tackle this subject, but there is a lot that can be psychoanalyzed in this movie about like uh, the way the objectification of like women's bodies in the movie. And like, there's mm -hmm. a lot going on underneath that. And it to the, but it's also interesting because I don't know if Kubrick intended any of that or like what the, right. or if that just was like, cause it's come uh, one of my favorite films in recent years is the new Blade Runner movie, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And there's like a lot of stuff in that movie. That's about like the objectification of women, but like the way it's presented in that film, it feels very intentional. Like it's trying to say something like as we get into this, like future dystopia, like the commodification of like a woman's body is like, it just becomes something you could sell essentially that you either use to sell things or you like literally sell in the form of like on as like your, virtual girlfriend uh, <laughs> i don't know if you've seen the movie but <laughs> i have <laughs> um whereas in this movie it's like they're in the milk bar and the tables are made out of women's bodies and i'm like mm. am i supposed to be making something of this or like 
I have also seen like there's been like five scenes in this movie and two of them have featured like fully naked women like being like groped and stuff. So I'm just like I'm just I just as an audience member, I'm like, hmm, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if I if I am, like maybe it's just a side effect of like them trying to depict this horrible society. And it, and it's extra interesting because in the milk bar, there's a woman in there and she mm-hmm. starts singing and Alex really likes it. And then his buddy blows a raspberry to like interrupt it. And that causes a, a little tiff between mm-hmm. them. And so, and, and honestly, their little tiff with like the, like the double speak back and forth is like one of my favorite bits of the movie. Cause like, yeah. uh, I think his name's, is it dip or dim dim dim? Yeah. Like dim's like, I'll, I'll fight you. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a phrase for fighting. Like what is it? It's like scrapper. Yeah. We'll do a bit. And of, I'll scrap anytime you say. And he's like, yeah. Oh, well, maybe we need to go to bed or whatever. Yeah. He's like, yeah, maybe we do. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, but, so it's like, I don't know. It's like this weird through line in the movie, but then it kind of disappears for a while, but then it'll like crop up occasionally where it's like, like I think it kind of hits the, well, actually I'd, I'd say it hits the pinnacle when he's on stage and they bring that woman out. And so there's mm-hmm. a big chunk there. And then like literally the last shot of the movie kind of is like a random sex scene that's like out of nowhere uh, <laughs> i think that that's supposed to be in his imagination yeah that's how he's kind of seeing where his life is projecting and yeah yeah i don't know if like i don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot but i don't know mm-hmm. if there's is that something that you've ever really like ruminated on in terms of like that aspect of the film like uh, as far as like at the presentation of of women yeah like i don't and, know i don't know if it's trying to say anything or not or if it's just I, a, sort of a side effect i don't know i i'm I, I and I'm, not, give and it I'm the, not asking you to have the answer anyway. We, no, no, no. We, we are two uh, uh, guys, Just dudes, like. right? <laughs> so yes, it matters very little <laughs> what I say, but I I would seem to give it. I mean, I would be inclined to give it the benefit of the doubt that it was you know part of the setting for this kind of dystopian future. Um, there is a shift from like left to right in the middle. That's how the whole Ludovico process comes into play. Um, but still, I mean, there, there's, I mean, the backdrop of the, of, of the film is that nothing is really that great. Right. I mean, it's, it seems like kind of a, a failed, um, you know, socialist country that has gone more authoritarian. Yeah. So everything's kind of fallen apart. And, um, that's what I would expect to see is, is women, you know, being objectified as a symbol of a sick society. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though, because as it, the movie gets deeper, I was, it actually, the movie had spent so long, like punching down that when he gets to the Ludovico treatment and his doctor is a woman, mm-hmm. there was a moment where I was like, I was like, wait a second. Are you sure? Like, I was like, I was like, I'm just surprised that the world that this movie has presented, yeah. it kind of, it kind of threw me for a loop in an interesting way. Uh, where it's like, once he starts entering that phase of the movie, you actually do start seeing like women doctors. And like the psychi- lady doctors and like the psychiatrist that like interviews yeah. him, like she's in a position of power to a certain extent. Right. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, it is weird. And it, it goes back to the, the second scene in the milk bar where the woman starts singing. I mean, this woman is an example of, I mean, I don't know that she's a doctor necessarily, but she's, yeah, he says they're like from the production company or something like right, that, that they're kind of highfalutin, Yeah, but she's there. Um, she can sing very well. I mean, we're just busting out. <laughs> glorious ninth out of nowhere yeah yeah without even warming up come on um so yeah they there are appearances there but yeah it it is 
you know, like I said, there are some parts of it that are, that are kind of troublesome. I, I think there it's, are scenes that linger if we go back to the fight and letting the woman go. Like, did the camera need to track with her? I did notice that. I was like, what? I was like, oh, we're yeah. tracking with her. Like, <laughs> exactly. And that was a scene that was called out when it was released. Is like, okay, that's not that's meant to titillate. I was like, yeah, it's very, very titillating. Yeah, yeah but, but, maybe because no, um, like for there was a part of me that like I did I was happy to see her fully get away. Yeah, instead of just like running off frame seeing her fully disappear and nobody chasing after her i was like well okay cool yeah. it's tough because it's like uh i was watching a little bit of a return of the living dead the other day mm. and there, it's like a plot point in that movie that there's like a character who loves to like strip down and get naked mm. uh and then she basically like they get attacked by zombies while she's naked and she mm. spends like the entire movie running around naked <laughs> and stuff and so like as someone that's like uh like it's just always just a fascinating subject in like film to just think about like the the practicality of like filming stuff yeah. like that like <laughs> it's like really tough but it's also like you know uh you know i i know for a fact like when they did return to the living dead they made sure that they cast someone who was like so part of your character is like you're <laughs> just gonna be running around nude the whole time and they made sure they got someone that was like oh yeah i don't give a fuck like like i look great <laughs> and so like it's nice to hear like you know, they, they got people that were like actually like down <laughs> with that kind of stuff. But there's definitely a lot of like, because uh, this movie has a lot to do with like our impulses and things like that. And of course, like our uh, sexuality is going to be tied up in a lot of those impulses. So it has to be something that's addressed to a certain extent. So mm -hmm. it's just as someone that did a lot of like a lot of my media analysis was like, like gender study related. So that, of course, that's a, one an aspect of the movie that I'm going to like hyper focus on as opposed to more of like the we'll get into like the prison system stuff later which I, of course i i also have a lot to say about <laughs> but uh yeah they're at the milk bar he goes home I, I i don't know if they say it explicitly in the movie but i think like upon research it's like alex actually is like kind of young like probably younger than you would guess school. yeah like in the book he's apparently starts off at 15 yeah i don't know if he's fully meant to be 15 in this movie but he's he's at least supposed to be in school yeah because uh, like he's got like a parole school officer guy that, truancy like, officer kind of guy yeah and then it's also like a probation officer right yeah yeah and then in the morning his mom's like you're gonna be late for school and he's yeah. just like i don't want to go and she's like okay uh <laughs> but yeah, he comes home he's got like a pretty rad room honestly got a, yeah. got a snake in a drawer sure. <laughs> we get a pretty like uh uh metaphorical shot of like a drawing of a naked woman and then the snake mm -hmm. is like crawling on a log in between her legs oh it's yeah like, it's like Ooh, what are you trying to say here cooper yeah. <laughs> but uh he uh this is where we really dig into his obsession with uh the glorious ludwig van the glory the glorious, glorious ninth ludwig van the ninth uh mr beethoven he just blares beethoven while he's like laying around in his bedroom is yeah. <laughs> uh it becomes pretty clear uh quickly that his home life is essentially his parents don't have no control of him whatsoever they're just checked out right it even seems like maybe his mom like houses sleeping pills before bed to sleep through the fact that he just blares beethoven all night <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like it's pretty brutal it's uh it's the other thing that's like a lot of this movie a lot of the discussion of the film is like how much of it is like society letting people down and and like being such a bad place that people are just like giving into their baser instincts because there's no structure like if you really want to psychoanalyze alex which is a whole minefield but it's like 
if you look at his parents, they're doing a terrible job. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know for you. It's like, it's like helping people and the like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're delusional. Yeah. Uh, and, and I always found that like when I was in high school, for the most part, if there was like a troubled kid, you could always like trace it back to not a great home life. Uh, and so it, this movie doesn't spend a ton of time on that aspect, but it is like, worth noting that it's like he's got kind of worthless parents yeah <laughs> his dad's like a complete pushover his mom's like just fully checked out pretty mm. much uh great hair oh yeah uh, <laughs> oh yeah uh, what do you what do you uh so their, their house is pretty insane do you have any strong feelings about their house i, I kind of like it for what it is um <laughs> yeah i mean it's supposed to be it's a it's a housing estate and it is referred to by what like linear north like building block there's there's no name to it it's not <laughs> it's just a series of letters and and numbers that, oh yeah because that's another aspect of like their weird little right shitty and again it seems society. like that is a, a kind of a socialist or even communist kind of you know housing structure that you might expect but, yeah but clearly it's a some kind of a for-profit economy from what they're all yeah when you all like day, but. when you get to the point where things are just being labeled with numbers it feels very like fascist totalitarian yeah. where it's like we don't need to need to bother naming this. It's just that's the 18th yeah. block. Like that's a that's a real staple of like dystopian. Yeah. It's like well, I'm from the 13th district and I'm gonna fight for my district or, or whatever they're called in the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as the design, I thought it was really cool. I mean, just you know that late 60s, early 70s, and then project that into the future, and you know, yeah, kind of bright colors, very very bold choices for wall covering and <laughs> yeah, and it's floors. funny how There's mirrors everywhere and like how like uh shitty everything looks on the outside but like almost in the interior of most of the houses are like very and it's very busy yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like there's just so much stuff where it's just like and i know that kubrick was always like a real stickler for that kind of stuff so if they've got just anything in the house he probably said that he wanted that there and that all these tiles thing. here and this painting here and all this stuff which is just seems exhausting to me yeah. <laughs> but you know some cinematographers will tell you like 50% of cinematography is set deck. <laughs> yeah. So especially if you're going to have a movie like this, that's like hanging on a lot of wides, like they have to be in interesting environments, you yep. know, like you could, you could pause a lot of frames of this movie and just spend like a while just looking at stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, is not necessarily, it's one of those things that I'm like, I respect that a lot. And that's pretty cool. It's not necessarily what really, uh, gets me going but it's also like you have to appreciate the hard work yeah. oh my god <laughs> the yeah. attention to detail <laughs> uh oh yeah so like they leave him and then this is when his parole officer comes over we've sort of talked about this man um, it's a deltoid <laughs> probably the highlight is like speaking of cinematography this really insane angle where we're just sort of flat on them on the bed mm -hmm. and he makes him like lay down with them and we just yep. kind of stay in that same shot it's really weird until he Totally punches, like him, punches in the, him in the dick. Yep. Uh, speaking of tidy whities that's all yeah. Alex is wearing. So <laughs> it's one of those things like this movie's really tough at times too, where we've literally done nothing but watch Alex do despicable things. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a multiple times in the movie where you start to feel like uncomfortable for him, which is like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I just watched him literally assault somebody yeah. But now I'm like kind of creeped out that this guy's like rubbing on him and yeah. tossing his hair. And I'm like, it, it gives you these really confused feelings. <laughs> I don't know for you if it's like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, it, it, 
flips it to the uh, you know other side of the coin there to see him, you know, as as the victim um, to even a, a small extent. A um, little bit jarring. It's I that. mean it's it's good to like start getting a taste of this though because it does seem like some of the movies the point of it is that like it's not just that Alex is like a monster and, and hurting people but it's like also all the people that are above him or, that are supposed to guide him and watch out for him are also just like creepy perverted monsters too right so it's like how do you just not become a monster in a society like that you know um but apparently he does he does understand drip because he, oh, yeah. he puts on this like great purple suit and goes oh out to God, the record yeah. store uh, <laughs> yeah but not before i don't want to jump past the the weird slapstick in the middle of that scene or at the end of that scene where he drinks the denture water oh yeah yeah one of a couple points in the movie where i'm just like but why though like I, I, this guy appeared to be like a buffoon are we just like you know really just kicking that horse or what <laughs> he like takes a big swig and like winces and then like yeah. keeps drinking it and then looks like appalled and like <laughs> he also like turned down the tea just have the tea man yeah no kidding you have to drink tooth juice buddy come on <laughs> tooth juice <laughs> brutal uh, <laughs> uh but yeah this record shop's pretty cool um <laughs> yeah i'd go there for sure it's like very windy just this really impressive tracking shot uh he sees these two gals and they have very phallic popsicles that they're hanging right. on to it was funny because like the one girl's popsicle was like drooped Completely, over like a 90 and i yeah. was like what the how'd that even get like that and then it actually felt gratifying when he commented on it because mm -hmm. i was like why is that drooped are we going to talk about the bent over <laughs> yeah uh but he has a i like uh the way he phrases it he's like he kind of says like oh you guys don't have a good stereo system but i yeah. do and then he says what you got to play your fuzzy wobbles on <laughs> yeah and i think he finishes it by saying like and you are invited yep. or something like that. And then it cuts to this insane sequence where yeah. he like has sex with both of them. And it's all done in this like Looney Tunes sped up thing. Yeah. And it you goes the way William Tell over our overtures. Going yeah, yeah. And it does that, that, that big old orchestral yep. thing that and anyone that does, if you don't know that by name if you look it up you'll know exactly what the yeah. sound is like it's just like an iconic, off to the races kind of yeah, thing yeah. It's, like, it's like next to ride of the valkyries it's like those two we, yeah. we've all heard them a million times but it, and it goes on for so long yeah <laughs> like there's just like they're both in bed the one gets up seems like she's gonna leave brings yeah. her back the other one goes like she's gonna leave he brings and it just goes on and on and on <laughs> i i genuinely don't know what to make of this scene <laughs> if i'm being honest like the, like in terms of like the context of the movie it seems to be implying that his sexual appetites aren't just limited to assaulting people right but it is just like i don't know it's a weird sequence uh, i don't know how you feel about it <laughs> yeah um so i and i don't know um if that translated from the book or not or if that was something that was changed um from my understanding in the but in the book it's much more of like an assault sequence okay oh that's right yeah uh and, and they're supposed to be a lot younger like the one thing I'll say about this movie is like, I don't, we never really see any like kids, which I'm thankful for. Yeah. <laughs> like, even though Alex is supposed to be young, it's like, right. You there don't are no to, actual children. Yeah. You don't watch any film. droogs, like punt a 10 year old in the <laughs> face or something. So at least we get a deleted scene. <laughs> so I'd go out for a bit of the punty one <laughs> Oh God. 
uh there's a uh when he when he finishes his business he comes down he's he's, he's kitted out again i i will say like he he look it's crazy how much different he looks when he's got the weird hat eyelash combo going on versus like when he's not yeah. wearing that outfit like when he takes it on for the off for the first time you're like oh he looks a lot looks, more takes down the mirror yeah. yeah it looks a lot more normal but he comes down in his full regalia and his three droogs are waiting for him mm-hmm. and again well 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 i really like the tension with with the droogs because it's like i think it's some of the more well done like subtle stuff in the movie where they're having like an absolute tension filled power play but the words they're actually saying are seemingly pleasant but mm-hmm. the way they're all acting is it's very tense and then alex tries to take control of the situation he like sits in dim's lap and yep. dim's like really put off by that just drops on it yeah yeah and then he just yeah. uh he, he's basically like i think he basically says like so are we doing a coup or what's going mm-hmm. on here yeah. and they're kind of like you can't be mean to him no more and he's kind of like <laughs> that's the first thing here's the manifesto <laughs> good job georgie yeah <laughs> and so they it seems like they kind of he's like look i'm in charge and they're kind of like whatever and then we get this like again it's one of those shots that i've just seen before somehow mm. they're like slow-mo walking by, by this like river or whatever yeah and alex is sort of like vo monologuing to us where he's just like suddenly i had a vi-. Mm-hmm. They, they use the word viddy which seems a to be viddy. like yeah see, see or yep. realize uh he basically is like they're trying to punk me out i gotta show them i'm not a, i'm not a punk and he just slow-mo like kicks two of their asses the other one kind of <laughs> runs away yeah runs he slices one of the guys Pony on the boy. hand <laughs> uh, he's like he's like didn't he says he's like didn't cut any of his main wires or cords or something yeah. like that but they're they're all like licking their wounds in the cafe later and he's yeah. just kind of like cheer up you know, he's like i'm in charge but you know you had a, you had a cool idea let's go do your cool idea and the guy's kind of like oh, i don't know it's stupid it's <laughs> <laughs> like no 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 and then he says like I love the phrase they have. It's called like, it's like a health facility or, or whatever they call it. Oh yeah. Where the, the Catwoman, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like she, health farm. yeah, she runs a health farm, which yeah. I assume is like a gym, uh, <laughs> some kind of like a spa or yeah. yeah, but it's like, she just has a lot of cats and she's alone. And so they're going to go like robber because also his droogs are like mad because like he takes most of the cut right? and they're like, we should be getting a bigger cut. And he's like, well, whatever. Big, big money. He's yeah. like, if you need a car, then go and pluck it from a tree. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, uh, but they're going to break into this woman's house. This woman's smart. Uh, even though they try their, there's someone dying in the middle of the road. You need, we need help. And she's like, sorry, no yeah. dice. I'm not letting mm-hmm. you in. And not only does she not let them in, she's like weirded out by it enough to call the cops. Yeah. Uh, and so she's doing mostly the right thing. But unfortunately, she also has just gigantic windows everywhere. <laughs> and yeah. Alex just climbs in through one of them. Pretty impressive climb, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he scaled pretty good. He's a, he's, a, he's a young level. he's a young lad in this movie. He's spry. He is. Uh, and he's wearing kind of athletic getup, <laughs> including the athletic supporter. Yeah, his outside, outside his outside cod piece. Yeah, the box is what they call that apparently in England. God, I don't know. It's crazy sequence where <laughs> yeah. he breaks into this woman's uh, health health farm health farm. Uh, her probably most noticeable sculpture that she has in the room is this large penis. Yep. Uh, actually, you know, that reminds me, I was like, I started to get a little cheeky with my notes at a certain point and I, I wrote, uh, I wonder if smashing a woman in the face with a gigantic penis is a metaphor. Uh, <laughs> this is what I wrote down <laughs> just very sarcastically. It was like, 
Mm. Like, it's a bit I, on the nose. I'm, I'm watching no, Malcolm no McDowell beat an older woman to death with a, a literal penis. Uh, yeah. It's like something out of a Saints Row game, but more serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you could get those at uh, Pier 1. The, the, the giant I, I gotta sculpture. say, I liked, like she kept telling him not to touch it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where it was clearly weighted, you know, like, oh, yeah, because it rocked. Yeah, like, it's yeah, like it was, you ever used to have like those punching bags that were like, like heavy at the wobble. bottom. Yeah, you could just punch it and it would come right back up. Like, yeah, it was, it was a weirdly That's satisfying what you want in your penis sculpture. <laughs> yeah, very much. I, I wouldn't be <laughs> able to it pop back up, though. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to not like bad at it every once in a while. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he slams her in the face with this. But turns out his droogs were still not very happy with him because when he comes That's outside, set up to let them in they smash a fucking bottle of milk <laughs> in his face uh and leave him for the cops and he just he gets got uh yeah. i had read a little bit beforehand like that this movie d- deals with a lot of like the prison system and reformation but i was a little surprised by how quickly we start getting into this like yeah. this is credit to this movie i think it's like two hours and 15 minutes long yeah it's a good uh, pace. It, it it's paced really well because like i at one point i went to pause it to go do something and i was like holy shit i'm 50 minutes into this movie which is always a good sign yeah when i when i feel like i'm only 25 minutes into a movie and it's been an hour i'm like okay thumbs up uh <laughs> i will say it gets a little bit slower uh from here on out it's like very fast paced at the top with all all the ultra violence and stuff yeah. and i i don't know like I've, I've heard mixed opinions from people where i'll say that for me, the back half is when they really start digging into like what the movie seems to be about that stuck out more to me. But I have noticed that some people tend to mostly talk about the beginning of the movie. I don't know if if you have any strong feelings about that. Like when you think about the movie, do you tend to go back to like the stuff at the beginning or do you still think about like some of the stuff that's about to happen? Oh yeah. Um, and there's some stuff. I mean, I, I quote, I mean, that's one of the things I love about movies. I mean, I'm kind of like a minor bird. I just, being completely enamored of the human voice is like kind of what drives a lot of what I like to do creatively. And, um, um, yeah, so there, there's plenty, um, in, in the back half that I, um, can kind of, uh, hold on to, uh, there's, you know, the, the scenes with, you know, his former droogs, there's, um, just, uh, the process itself. I mean, and I think about what, uh, Malcolm McDowell would have had to gone through, you know, sitting, with all that yeah, stuff yeah, attached totally. to his eyes and he really did I think scratch a cornea doing that I mean, yeah I I've heard that like, um, and there was a real doctor there like applying <laughs> drops, yeah like, was, they literally couldn't have done that like they yeah. just did it for real which is like it's one of those things like when I watch older movies sometimes sometimes movies just do things that we could never do today and it is like yeah there's a reason why we don't do that <laughs> stuff but yeah. it's also like I am a little grateful that we uh, Sorcerer was a movie I covered for the podcast somewhat recently, okay. and the 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 piece de resistance of the movie essentially is this uh, crazy ass bridge that they have to get this huge truck across twice. Mm-hmm. They do it with two different trucks, and it is like harrowing to watch. And when you read about how they made it, it's literally a miracle no one died. <laughs> uh, and and the, yet they just actually did it. But Freakin <laughs> was just such a psycho that he was yeah. just like, now we're just gonna the, the only way to do it is to do it. Uh, and it's just like, like even Friedkin himself was like thrown from the cab of the truck while he was like getting a shot and like almost got rolled over on. And, and it's like today you could never do that shit, but it is like when you watch Sorcerer, I'm clutching like the edges of my seat because it's like, this feels so real. 
Mm. And when you're watching uh, this movie, when you see those things go into his eyes, you do kind of, you, it it fucks you up because you're just looking at something that's really happening. Uh, So it's like, it sucks because like, yeah, he got his like eye scratched like permanently and shit, but it's also like, man, there's a reason why I've seen that shot a million times. It's been memed and copied and shown and like everything. It, it, it lives in your brain once you see it. So uh, speaking of which though, he gets arrested. Uh, I think I can't remember if there's, uh, I was pretty good with my notes. So yeah, cause I think we do just kind of smash cut straight to, him being processed and this sequence goes on for a while and it's yeah. like it's like really brutal to watch because you have this like head guard who yeah. just screams everything like a military guy. director yeah. and it just goes on for a while he's like do you see that white line on the ground <laughs> yeah you will step behind it and like uh, even the parts where he tosses his thing on the thing is like you will place that down properly pick it up and put it down properly <laughs> and he it's interesting. This is like where you're watching McDowell closely because he seems to understand that he doesn't, oh, yeah. he doesn't really have a choice other than to like pretty much comply, but he's still doing it a little bit sarcastically. It's, it's an interesting line that he's threading here. I don't know. Like, obviously you've seen it more. So like, what, what do you feel about how Alex is reacting to this whole like insane processing sequence? Oh, he's setting it up perfectly. And like, I have trouble kind of reconciling that, I guess that missing redemptive chapter of the book, because to me, I mean, he seems like a total psychopath. Yeah, very much so. To the point where, I mean, he does all these awful things and then, um, you know, he realizes there's no way out from this. And so he just, he immediately starts playing the game and, and just puts on a performance for, you know, the, uh, uh, for the warden, for the, the guard there. So you will, you will address us (laughs) as, sir. Uh, yes, brother, sir. Yes, brother, sir. <laughs> um, so you are, you are, uh, six, double five, three, two, one. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> in the book, it's double six, double five, three, two, one. So, um, I think you see, uh, the double six on, on his Drew cop buddy's car later. Maybe that's a nod, oh, a yeah. nod to it. So I remember okay. I was just like, I was like, I can't believe this movie's going to beat six, double five, three, two, one into my head to the point where I, I'm actually going to remember it, which is a testament to what they're doing. Cause they're, even before he gets his his proper brainwashing, this prison facility is brainwashing oh, yeah. him to, to to it's a dehumanizing experience. Oh, taking away too. your name, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. This processing's crazy. You like uh, we we get a get a little sneak peek at McDowell's what he's working with downstairs. So <laughs> I, I think it's about the only male nudity we get in the movie, though. It does does not really offset the amount. Yeah, of he's, <laughs> it, it's it's McDowell pretty much, and he's yeah. I I love the because yeah. uh, like you, you get this we're like level with the table and it's like kind of blocking his junk, yeah. but then not quite. But then he, he has to bend over while the guy like looks up his ass. And like, honestly, the way they shot this, like guy is just looking up Malcolm. He's ass. all the way up there. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's not being cheated at all. Cause it's a side profile shot. Yeah. So he just holds a flashlight like into Malcolm McDowell's butthole. Uh, yeah. it's pretty crazy. And then he gets processed. He's, we kind of just cut to two years later though. Yeah. Two-year jump cut, yeah. Uh, he's sort of wormed his way into being, like, one of the right-hand guys of this, like, prison pastor dude. Yeah. Uh, he's, like, because he sat up on the stage, and, you know, me as a first-timer, I'm like, oh, why is he got a red armband on? And he's, like, he's like working with the church people? Because I didn't yeah. know it had been two years at this point. He doesn't say it until later. Uh, 
you see like this creep in the front row like making kissy faces at <laughs> yeah. him or but basically like the long and short of it is and like mcdowell tells you in vo is like he found out that he could just pretend to be a good boy for the pastor and he would kind of get a little bit of preferential treatment yeah. and i do think this is some of his better acting in the movie because the way he's interacting with people you can tell he's like trying to play it off like he's a good boy yeah but like thanks to the vo and like some of the stuff he's actually doing you realize he's just still a full-blown psychopath and oh, yeah. it's, it's all just an act and he's like talks about how he likes reading the bible but it's only because it's so violent yeah which is like kind of a funny commentary the old <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like so i don't really like the new stuff but the old stuff where <laughs> the romans is like you see this shot of i vidded myself seeing <laughs> being right there with a the beating yeah you, yeah. S- you see that like it holds on jesus for a while who's being whipped and then it pans over and it's fucking alex that's whipping him and yeah. like if there's not a more like on the nose metaphor for this character in the movie yeah. than just like him reading the bible and being like yeah i could totally be the guy that crucified <laughs> jesus you're like wow that's your takeaway from the bible huh <laughs> yeah. and then like we get a get a little more nudity where there's like three women that are like feeding him grapes and oh yeah that was cracking me up because the the woman that's like waving the palm frond she's like back there like really giving it her all and the woman that's like <laughs> feeding him the grapes is like into it but then the woman that's like kind of hanging out on the right yeah. she's just like looking off camera and she seems like so out of it like it was really cracking me up for some reason like i just really zeroed in on her she's fate. giving nothing <laughs> she's just so stoic like it wasn't like she was mad it was just like she just straight up couldn't be arsed like it, it was really funny <laughs> but yeah he's into the bible because it's violent uh, he basically asked the preacher guy who it's interesting to in this movie it like basically condemns the bible in a certain sort yeah. of more just like he's interpreting it very badly uh but also the only guy that ever says anything in this movie that like is even remotely reasonable it's the priest he's like yeah, the, oh yeah he has like two scenes where he's the one that says like because when he's talking to alex alex is like oh i heard they're doing this thing where they put you through an experiment and they right. let you go he's like you should put me up for it and he says something like well you don't want to do that because like you he's like you don't want to just get changed like that you have to like actually want to do it and become a better person and that's what we're here for and he's kind of like sure whatever i need to say to keep you on my side and then later when the experiment's being proven quote unquote the priest is the one that runs up and just goes this isn't yeah this isn't how this works well free will <laughs> this, right. is, this isn't how any of this works yeah. like and, and they're all like ah who gives a shit and yeah. you're just like oh i don't know <laughs> but it's also part of the movie that i wrestle with where it does feel like i like movies that don't necessarily like they focus on the subject matter without fully like telling you what they're about and there's a lot of times in this movie where i feel like they're just saying things out loud mm-hmm. where it's like the priest is like well being good and evil isn't a thing if you're not given the choice if you it's like that's yeah. that's besides the point and i'm like it feels like that's what the movie's about maybe <laughs> yeah. I, maybe there's something deeper that i'm not grasping but at the same time it is funny to see him yell this at a room full of men and them just go eh, who yeah. gives a shit yeah. <laughs> like so i don't know it's kind of a it's kind of a back and forth thing there uh but yeah the ludovico technique yeah. or whatever is technique or experiment yeah. uh technique yeah but he has to be put in it the priest kind of turns him down but then pretty much just immediately cut to so brutal their exercise is just them walking around in a very tiny oh, circle yeah. that that really stuck out to me yeah it's like oh yeah uh, circle time 
<laughs> it reminded me what of what are you gonna do today? That's what clockwise. They, that's what they would clockwise. That's what they would do to the bad kids in elementary school. Oh, right. When you would get in trouble, you would walk in a circle during recess. Oh, you would just walk on this like small white circle, and you weren't allowed to go play because you you had been bad. Uh, <laughs> God, what elementary school did you go to? Monroeville. It's called Guantanamo. <laughs> Monroeville Elementary, Guantanamo Bay. Uh, <laughs> but I just remembered that suddenly talking about it. But the the minister shows up. He's sort of like the he's like the head of. I don't even know what he's the head of. It's just that he's kind of in charge. He's the of, new minister. Yeah. The, their their big thing is like the world is dystopian and fucked and like. There's a million different people like Alex running around causing mayhem. They're sort of like, there's a, an exchange where I hear you've got them four to a cell. And he's like, yeah, we need more cells. And he just goes, no, nah, fuck that. We need to get them out of there and back on the streets. And that's why we're doing this crazy technique. And he's sort of examining the prisoners and he's chatting about like how big a piece of shit all of them are. Alex chimes in and the minister marches up to him and he's like, what are you in here for? And he's like, I accidentally killed someone. And the guard immediately is like, he murdered a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the guy's like, you're perfect. You'll do. And so Alex is like very smug about this. Again, we get like some acting from McDowell where he's like smirking and like the yeah. head guards like glaring at him, but it's like, it's kind of, yeah. well, Alex got picked. He managed to stick out enough to be selected for the treatment. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Oh yeah, this is speaking of the head guard me, being mad at him. He gets brought into this room, basically told like you've been picked for the experiment. Here, sign this. And he Don't starts, read it, just sign it. <laughs> yeah. Don't read it, just sign it. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then even just things where Alex tries to speak up. He's like, you will shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, who's come? <laughs> but then the guy asks him a question. He's like, answer him when he's talking to you. <laughs> uh, Can like, I now? <laughs> it's it's pretty brutal. And again, Alex is really taking it all in stride. I think he kind of feels like he's like, well, fuck you. I already won. I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, but we get sort of back to back sequences where you basically watch this like head guard. I think the reason both these scenes go on for so long is you're kind of watching this head guard try to maintain what tiny amount of control he still has on Alex, where he's yelling at him in the room. And then when he transfers him into yeah. the facility, he's like really over the top with how he's processing him and turning him over and he's like mm -hmm. yelling and then the people at the desk are like um yeah man like we got it <laughs> he's like will he be ex escorting the prisoner yep he'll take care of it don't worry yeah. about it <laughs> and like you just kind of see him trying to maintain this like prison mentality and, and failing yeah pretty much uh and, and alex gets turned over and he just gets a comfy little bed seems like he's eating good uh <laughs> but He's uh, at the, I think the whole facility is like the Ludovico facility or something. Um, yeah. I'd have to go back and, and see again, but yeah. But yeah, he meets this, this, uh, uh, like we talked about lady doctor. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of expecting him to like do something creepy, but he seems to be firmly in like self-preservation mode where he's like, yeah. I have to be a good boy. Cause like they are, they're going to do this thing to me and they'll like, let me out in a week. It'll be great. Uh, so he seems to be behaving himself, which is like, again another like layer of his sociopathic behavior in the sense that like he gives into his instincts all the time but he clearly has the capacity to control himself when he wants to mm -hmm. which is scary because uh, it also makes him like way less predictable in a weird way uh he's like he's honestly like 
one of the videos I did manage to squeeze in before we recorded is there's a channel that I really like called, it's called like the vile eye mm-hmm. or something like that. And his main bread and butter is, uh, the series called analyzing evil, uh, where he just like analyzes evil characters and mm-hmm. media. So I watched his Alex video and like, it is very like Alex is not someone that I really enjoy watching as essentially our protagonist, right. but he is a fascinating character. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of layers to him. I yeah. would say, I don't know. Maybe I'm off base on that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, definitely complex. Uh, definitely a very, very intelligent, but yeah, just a, a moral. Yeah. And it's interesting too. Cause like, it makes me feel like the scene that they cut from the book where he just suddenly goes, yeah, Maybe I'll settle down and not be a villain anymore. It's almost like that's one of the sociopathic layers to him where he could just decide to do that because he's so detached from reality. Mm. Like, it was a really telling scene when he's being sort of like, I don't even know what you would call it, like uh, tortured, experimented on, yeah. uh, where he has like a, a monologue where he says something like, the colors on the screen are more real than real life, which oh. again, I think kind of harkens back to our, early discussion in this episode of like people not viewing reality the way they should be this like detachment from reality that's Mm. kind of terrifying and i think it's interesting when filmmakers i i I was very fascinated in this movie that there's a chunk of this movie where he's being shown violent movies and and when a filmmaker puts that into their own movie it feels like this almost like snake eating its own tail yeah like meta context thing that's kind of fascinating yeah especially like the first movie he's watching it seems to just be a movie it's another kubrick movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh, like i don't know where they got the footage of the the assault from because that one seemed a little too real uh yeah. but i was like maybe it was staged i don't know feels kind of icky when you like really break it down cause it kind of just looks like somebody shot that yeah and they just have it <laughs> but yeah i guess i'm getting a little ahead of myself like the, the he basically He's going to do the treatment. They inject him with some like vitamins. Are these vitamins? Yeah, <laughs> vitamins. Sort of. Uh, like part of his one two punch with the torture is he's being shown these violent images and simultaneously injected with this like, I think it's implying like this thing like makes him sick. And so it's like beating the, into his brain that like when he sees violence and sexual assault, it makes him feel like legitimately ill. It's like uh, an abuse for, <laughs> yeah, kind for, of for violence for seeing violence. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what their whole strategy is. I understand it. I mean, yeah. Um, so, like to break it down, basically, like the Ludovico technique is, we're just going to pry their eyeballs open and put drops in them every fifteen seconds and force them to just watch endless violence as like a form of torture, in in order to create a literal physical. A reaction to them ever trying to be violent so right. that they'll be incapable of doing anything bad and really the crux of this movie comes down to okay so technically you can like create this creature that is incapable of like assaulting people but they haven't learned any lessons or anything they just right. literally and they're also like they're basically not human anymore because like he can't defend himself he can't like he just like it is like again the weird juxtaposition of this movie is like you kind of hate alex at least i do but then you like spend like the last like 40 minutes watching him like just get the shit kicked out of him and like yeah. not be able to even defend himself and you're like it puts you in this weird headspace yeah. where you're like 
like when he's crying at his parents' house, I'm like, am I supposed to feel bad for him? I can't <laughs> yeah. tell. Like, what what am I supposed to be feeling right now? And kind of in a good way. I like when movies like play in that gray area, and I just yeah. I don't really know what to think. Uh, but it's it's worth. It should be said. Like, I, I don't want to like skip too hard over it, but like we go through the whole Ludovico thing with the eyes being held open and the drops yeah. and the doctors in the back and they're showing him like uh nazi propaganda and like playing and they also notably play uh mr Ludwig von's knife yeah. or whatever which is what gets the biggest reaction out of alex because he it's like the one thing he likes yeah in this world and now it's being corrupted and yeah he understands at that point like what the effect of all this you know torture or, you know treatment is and uh yeah and now it's going to be applied to the only thing that he really truly loves, which is, are there any like glorious ninth? Are there any particular highlights of this whole sequence here of, of him being tortured? Like, seems like maybe you No, really, that's it. I mean, when he recognizes the song, I mean, that's when he, do you, you know, uh, like pleads with him to stop. I mean, that's, do you do his like monologue for, 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 <laughs> for, for like auditions? I haven't had to do a monologue for an audition yet. I, I, I that might saw, be one of them. I see now that what I was wrong, it was a sin. I was wrong to do this and <laughs> please don't make me. It's interesting because it's just like, it is like they're, they're perverting like one of his favorite things in the world. And it's like the only, that's what makes the breakthrough. Yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's, Everybody's it's got a, something. It's a pretty good little string that he goes on there too. I like, I, I yeah. like again, that's like one of those things that like I've seen him like yelling like i was wrong <laughs> i know now that i was I'm wrong. Reformed. <laughs> uh it's pretty brutal definitely uh and it is like tough because they do they very much hang on his face so you know mcdowell the actor was kind of just really being put through some of this like they spent oh, yeah. a long time unbroken on just watching this guy put drops in his eyes over and over oh, yeah. and over and it's just like pretty brutal to watch <laughs> yeah like in a kind of a good way but also kind of like, like damn i would really suck to go through <laughs> uh <laughs> it's <oof. laughs> uh speaking of him being reformed though he they bring him out on stage and he's this is the big demonstration oh yeah uh, and so they have this guy, <laughs> Just, like, who's this guy? <laughs> it doesn't matter though, does it? Cause he can't fight back. So it could be some weenie and that's, that's who they found really. Let's I'm just like, honest. what was, what was the casting call for that man? <laughs> Annoying looking man. It's like, we need you to come like, make a guy lick your shoe <laughs> and we can pretty much guarantee that he probably won't fight back. <laughs> cause he's not supposed to. <laughs> and they're all just like watching it. And of course we get a front row ticket to it's like, I, what's he say? It's like I stuck out my big red a mile oh. and a half and licked the boot or yeah. And then, you know, speaking of casting calls, we get an even crazier casting call where this like uh gorgeous woman yeah. comes out just like wearing, I think she had underwear on at yeah. least. Yep. So thank God for that. But she just strolls up to him. We get this crazy, like, wild like up angle shot oh, like, yeah. like from her like belly button up to her face like it's like it's one of those things where it's like there's been so much goddamn nudity in this movie yeah but it is like this that particular shot is very artistic and kind of beautiful the way it's lit and you just kind of like i just like never really seen the human body shot like that before so it was kind of it was just kind of interesting uh, again i think i was just detaching a little bit and just being like oh 
never really seen that before. <laughs> yeah. And it does set up a nice scene, you know, with Alex there where he, you know, <laughs> fails that part of that or well passes, I guess, that part yeah, of Yeah, he like it's funny because the it, test for like a while he's like reaching up to groper and then he just can't quite do it. He starts to get sick yeah. and, and stops. And I was like And then she gets like three or four bows. Yeah, she, she's like, thank you, my dear. And she's like, seems genuinely like, yeah, yeah, I did Wasn't it. this great? He almost <laughs> threw up. He almost, he tried to touch me, he couldn't, and then he tried to throw up. Good night. Uh, <laughs> and, and we get the minister and priest sort of arguing where the priest is like, well, this is, this is not a person. This is, he's not making mm -hmm. a choice. He doesn't even understand why it's wrong. You just made it so he can't do that. And the minister's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, so you get it. <laughs> We're just going to do this to everybody and everything will be cool because it's very like, you know, this is where it really drills down into like, I, I've long said like, especially the American prison system is so fucked. Like we don't, it's funny because like one of the drums I bang on is that we're so hyper-focused on like incarceration versus reformation mm -hmm. and to watch a movie like this where they bang the reformation drum so much, but it's this weird fucking perverted version of it that doesn't actually work right where, whereas like i know for a fact of all the studies there's been so many studies done of like and and, and like i'm not going to get all political about it or whatever but like prisons are like privatized and there's like oh yeah financial incentive to imprison people yeah. essentially and that's probably labor yeah and there's probably not uh it's probably not the way we should be dealing with things and the no. thing is like i'm never going to sit here and say like we should we shouldn't have prisons because it's like yeah there's some truly there's some truly <laughs> despicable people that we probably don't want running around. Yeah. I, I assume there's a hand, there's, there's a handful, but there's a lot of people that if they just were treated with some compassion and like they could just get out and come become like genuine productive members of society. There are many people that have done it. And yet we're just like, nah, like I've, I've just heard a lot of horror stories of just like people oh, yeah. being thrown in jail for the most random reasons. And then once you get caught up in the grinder, Mm. you're just fucked like even if you get out they put you in these impossible situations with parole officers and all these quotas that you have to meet that are nearly impossible and they're like well you didn't do that so back you go and it's just yeah. it, it's so fucked and so like I, I have nothing nice to say about the prison system but it's also like this movie's not really offering much of an alternative either <laughs> no. because their 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 alternative is like yeah we'll just like brainwash people yeah uh, <laughs> definitely very dystopian it earns its dystopian label off of that oh, for sure it's it's yeah it's bad <laughs> well and the um as i understand it uh, anthony burgess was um really opposed to i mean his his book i mean this was written as kind of a response to bf skinner to like operant conditioning and behavioral analysis so mm -hmm. it's something that hits close to home for me i've got a couple of boys who are autistic and they go to aba therapy which is applied behavioral analysis that came from from skinner and there's a lot of resistance in in the autistic community uh to it for that reason so yeah your free will you're just trying to extinguish behaviors um it's been pretty helpful for my boys but um yeah i i, I get you know where they're coming from you know where the resistance is to it but that's that's what really sets up you know that that conflict is you know whether we're talking about reform or or, or the prison system it's you know this kind of conditioning does it actually work does it actually mean anything at the end of the day yeah i mean the thing is like like i don't it's tough with a character like alex because he's so he has such like violent urges and he talks about like he just loves seeing blood splatter yeah. and stuff like that and it's like 
you wonder if there's a way to like actually reach him in a meaningful way. Yeah. But it's also like they're just like this government's clearly spending like presumably millions of dollars on scientists to sit in the back of a room and <laughs> show a guy like like it's violent films, violent yeah. movies and where it's like you could have maybe found some but it's like we finally do meet like a psychiatrist and she just does this bonkers Rorschach test that and he gives like crazy answers and she just kind of goes that's great so it's like I don't know it's like 71 so you have to wonder how much were we on the the cusp of like understanding mental health at all where it's like it's it's one of those things where both with like police and like prison and stuff we've seen a lot of success in communities where we've made an effort to lean more towards like well instead of sending a guy that's like gonna shoot this person send somebody that knows how to actually talk to somebody when they're going through a crisis or things like that crazy idea (laughs) it's like but no let's buy everybody tanks yeah (laughs) let's militarize it more (laughs) and so like it feels fix their wagons like that's an aspect of the film that i can really get behind because it seems very damning of that kind of practice and then we get like the double down later once alex is out of prison and we just guess who our new police officers Mm. are (laughs) that was pretty relatable for me honestly (laughs) i don't know like i said I, i grew up in a small town and uh um, you know, you find out the guys that, you know, couldn't make it through English class without making an audible fart noise for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Now they have guns. <laughs> now they're, they're patrolling our streets for us. So the best of the best. Now I've got some friends that you know, are actually really good guys that, you know, uh, went into law enforcement, but yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the, <laughs> the Georgian dim version of, <laughs> of, of cops are, are easy to find all over this country. Um, but uh, I mean, Alex, he, he's out. He just returns home. His parents seem to not even know he was coming home. <laughs> That's Joel. <laughs> we, we get this We get this insane sequence where I love the, how they slow play this too. Because he, he, Alex like marches into the living room, yeah. says hi to his mom. I'm back. T- talks to his dad, completely ignores this guy that's yeah. on the couch. And, and me as an audience member is like, are we going to talk about this? Who's this fucking guy? <laughs> and then finally like, Alex leans down like really intimidatingly towards his dad. Hey, dad. (laughs) Who is that man on the couch? Uh, Munchy wanting bits of toast. (laughs) Like, Oh, that's Joe. And Joe's been silent this whole time. (laughs) Joe is one of the most fascinating characters in this movie uh, because he's a prize (laughs) asshole. (laughs) He he seems to be, uh, so there's a lot going on with Joe. I want to talk about Joe a little bit. (laughs) Cause like Joe is, renting alex's room from them right joe is sat on the couch next to the mom a mm-hmm. little too cozy for my take i i have a couple notes about joe i'd like to read <laughs> uh, uh joe has alex's room and santa claus's fashion sense yes uh if you guys have never seen the movie the mid-shirt belt <laughs> joe's wearing yeah. a, like a dark red shirt and just straight up a santa claus belt yeah uh i also have Joe is definitely cucking the dad, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was the vibe I was getting. Oh uh, yeah, was uh, Joe was laying it down, and the dad was maybe yeah. watching from the closet every night. <laughs> to that point, I'm like, just give Alex's room back because Joe just is probably yeah. in your bedroom already anyway. Exactly. Uh, but Joe is not having any of Alex's shit. Uh, he's like, he's like, you're a murderous <laughs> piece of shit. Your parents don't love you. Get the fuck out of here and. Alex, he's like, oh, and then you're you're gonna cry. And again, this is like, I think my note. I have a note here too, where it's like, such a weird position. I can't tell. Am I supposed to feel bad for him when he's crying? Like this yeah. is 
it's so weird. Like I'm just, I don't know what to think in this moment. And his mom starts crying yeah. uh, and the dad just kind of sat there like, sorry, like, son. Right uh, He's already paid for next month's rent. Which <laughs> <laughs> is like, I don't know. It's, oh, I, I, I mean, uh, what do you, what do you feel like in this? Like, Cause like essentially the back half of this movie is like just a lot of bad shit happening to Alex. Like, what mm-hmm. do you feel during all of this? Mm. I mean, it's consequences. It's, um, you know, it's, um, we've, we've stripped Alex down to where he can be nothing but a victim. Um, so it's just that, that constant, you know, every bit of the flip of the coin from, from the first half of the film where everything that he did is getting kind of revisited on him. Almost, much, almost comically. So, right. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, psychologically, I think that's more with his, with his parents. And then also, but know, it doesn't physically as soon as he gets out of the house and he, it doesn't take long for that to come back. But it, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like vindicative or good though to watch. Like I no. don't, I, there's not a moment during any of this where I just go, yeah, that's what you get. Like right. it didn't feel good. And I, and I think that's the point because mm-hmm. I also think that they're trying to say like, it's like, look, he's getting his, his comeuppance for all that bad shit he did. And yet somehow it all feels really awful and hollow. Right. So it's like eye for an eye. I think eye for an eye gets, I think that's a phrase that's said in this movie at some point. It's like eye for an eye is just never the answer. Uh, And so like, it's like when the, uh, when the Irish guy and the rest of his like underground tunnel posse Mm -hmm. are like kicking the shit out of Alex, I I didn't go. Yeah. Like I didn't have any of those feelings at all. Cause it's just like, it just is like very dark. Yeah. Everybody's despicable. No, you have no one to root for. And it, it puts me in a weird place as a viewer where this is the part of the movie where I start just being like, yeah, everything sucks. Uh, what else, yeah. what else you got for me? <laughs> exactly. I mean, cause they're not, I mean, they're not coming from a place of their humanity. They're just rage. They're a mob. It doesn't right. There's nothing vindictive about or, or vindicative uh, about what, what's happening on screen i mean it's just it's I, violence i i did like i mean there's maybe like a couple dark chuckles during this segment because so he like runs into the guy and i was like i was like oh he wants a there's like a weird word for like change like a cutty or something like that a cutter if you spare some cutter me brother yeah can you give me a cutter uh it's like wait i know you <laughs> he's like you're these guys uh, let's get him and like literally the cops that pull the guys off of him end up being uh his former droogs georgian and, dim and they very excitedly grab him up and throw him in the thing and they, it's so funny to me they they drive him what seems like quite a distance out to a forest mm-hmm. and drag him for a while ultimately just so they can get to like a little tub with some yeah. water in it where i was like is this you guys special little tub? the old duncan tub <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Like, like i guess they ultimately are also trying to leave him in the middle of nowhere right just to fuck with him but it was very like it was so extra just to get to a tub right <laughs> uh but yeah i mean this is brutal here they drag him all the way out and they they dunk him in the water yeah which again. is like i don't know uh they obviously had issues with him in the past and left him to be thrown in jail but this extra layer of like them like very vindictively like torturing him was just like yeah. It's like so extra. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I think that they've gone, you know, where he's gone to a radical extent to, you know, extinguish these 
like violent tendencies, they've gone in the complete opposite direction and they have found, you know, an outlet that lets them really be as violent as they want to be. Um, and it's totally sanctioned. Yeah. So, and so here they are just, just That's get, a good point. getting after it. Yeah. Getting after it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, we've mentioned it early, but this wide shot where they hold his head underwater for a yeah. while, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see the count on that again. I think I could do it. I think I feel like yeah. if I was in that, but a little circular breathing, I think you'd have to do before that. It's one of those things where it goes on long enough for me to start to be like, oh, this is an unbroken shot. And then you start going, oh, wow, he's been holding his breath this whole time. But <laughs> yeah. When you like really break it down, it's, it just feels really long. But yeah. ultimately, it's probably like a minute long shot. Yeah. And, like, still kind of hard to hold your breath for a minute, but it's not near, not impossible, you know. Uh, but it's pretty brutal. They just leave him out there. Uh, he stumbles towards home. Yes. Which is uh, the house that they broke into early in the movie. And he comes in, the, uh, this writer guy's still kicking, but he's in a wheelchair now. So I guess he's not so much kicking anymore. Bad, bad turn of phrase there. But uh, <laughs> uh, his wife seems to have been replaced by a really buff man named oh Julian. Yeah, uh, Julian's he's a big dude, carved up. Uh, I'd say him and Joe are two of my biggest fascinations in this movie. It's like, I don't think Julian speaks a word of dialogue in this movie. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, I think he says he'll get the door. Like there's someone, uh, yeah, there's someone at the door. I'll get it. Yeah. But he mostly is just there to be buff and huge. Well, that's his job is <laughs> literally being like the the uh the carry what the like the human yeah rickshaw or litter for this this writer this is a great scene where it just and it hangs on his wife for so long where julian carries him in a full <laughs> wheelchair down like two sets of stairs yep. in an unbroken shot and i was like my god <laughs> like what a the dude is, is just completely shredded he's, I mean, he's huge his, his biceps are so big uh but he, he answers the door alex falls in all bloody mm. uh the writer's very Alex, we've seen multiple papers because they've been using Alex as like their poster oh, yeah. child for we're going to become Cat the new woman killer Alex Freed. <laughs> yeah, Catwoman, which is it's different. Horrible that <laughs> she had a name, I'm sure. Yeah. Dead Catwoman, come on. It's, it's one of those things where like cr crimes and serial killers, they always have to have a catchy name. Yeah. Uh, but the government's like using him as like, look, we reformed the Catwoman yeah. killer and you can trust us to keep the streets safe because like crimes very rampant in this in yeah. this world so they're essentially trying to get reelected on the platform of like we're actually fixing things and so this writer has a bone to pick with that whole thing he's basically like they tortured you and he doesn't recognize alex at first but then so he's like i'm gonna help you and like we're gonna write about what happened to you and like get back at the government but pretty quickly alex I don't know if he's just lost his mind or if being back in this house is like br bringing back memories, but he starts singing, <laughs> singing in the rain. Yeah. In the bath. Yeah. In the, the, I mean, the writer recognizes it. Uh, we see this crazy shot where he's like got his head up against the bathroom he's door and he's like shaking <laughs> faces going red. He's like losing his mind. Uh, they're at dinner. He gets carried down by buff man, Julian. And he's <laughs> just like red face shaking with rage. He's like, have some wine. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I don't mind a nip. You're going to have some? He's like, no, I can't have it. <laughs> uh, and like, he drinks the wine. Have another. Uh, he's like, I have some friends coming over. I hope you don't mind. And these like three randos come in. This woman interviews him. Alex gives this very like matter of fact like yeah. interview. And then yeah. <laughs> he keeps like leaning over to like correct the spelling and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty funny. 
but essentially the gist is he's like I'm very down on myself i think i'd want to kill myself and she's like oh tell me more about that he's like yeah you know in this moment could probably just don't see the point in living and then he just comically passes out <laughs> in his plate of pasta uh it seems that the guy drugged him and uh he thankfully for their purposes tells them that like if he has to listen to the ninth by mr mm-hmm. ludwin van uh he'll lose his mind so no. uh they lock him in the upstairs attic and just start blasting beethoven yeah. <laughs> and driving him insane again it's like we're watching a guy who drove this guy's wife to death and ruined his life be tortured and again i'm like i don't know what i'm Is supposed to be, be okay i'm like well, <laughs> yeah. i don't know what i'm supposed to be thinking uh it seems like they probably wanted him to do what he did because like they left him with, with a very obvious window to jump mm-hmm. out of but alex is basically like can't take it jumping I, I will say there was a moment uh late in this movie my note says uh, i was just thinking about i think it was, what happened was they do that shot sorry i'm so all over the place i apologize uh but we're close on the wheelchair guy and we do another like pan back shot where they like uh pull back to reveal the whole room mm-hmm. and there's like this God, there's like a pool table and the guy's like throwing pool balls yeah. into the pocket and they're all just kind of standing around like it's a fucking album cover <laughs> yeah. or something and i had the thought like why like, like yeah. i was like it was cool but there was a moment where i just went why yeah uh, i was like it's so extra for no reason but i was like this is the kind of shit some people eat up i don't begrudge anybody that but for me i was just like but then as i was having that thought of like i don't care about the cinematography that much I really like the shot of the, so like the top of the house is on like poking mm-hmm. out of the right side of the frame mm-hmm. and the rest of it's just like pure blue sky. And then you see him like jump out the window and do like kind of a somersault or whatever. Yeah. So as soon as I had the thought of like, okay, relax, they hit me with a shot that I was like, actually, this is a really good shot. I like this a lot. <laughs> like that combined with like the POV of like the camera hitting the ground yeah. and the fully with it. It's a pretty brutal, like jumping out of a window. Yeah sequence here so i i do i do definitely like slight applause for for that little sequence you really did just chuck a camera <laughs> and i guess it, it like six takes oh, really? of that pov shot yeah <laughs> just chucked six yeah. cameras <laughs> well no one camera six times and it made it it, it so. survived yeah wow he remarked on how uh impressed he was with the quality of the camera <laughs> <laughs> it took six falls it's great like it's funny when you see it because you're like oh that's genius because as soon as i saw the shot i knew how they got it but I was like, you do have to be able to be willing to sacrifice the camera to get that shot. But it's so effective. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I felt like I'd never quite seen anything like that before. Um, so, yeah. But so Alex tries to kill himself, but he lives. Uh, he wakes up in a hospital. Uh, insane thing here where he starts to, like, wake up and he's moaning and, like, right next to his bed this like nurse and doctor were like yeah i guess they're just getting jiggy with it that's like the, the <laughs> drinking the the denture liquid like <laughs> why it's like some benny hill shit all of a sudden like is i think it's just another little another little uh added just how weird this world is type of thing and a little more nudity <laughs> yeah like you know what this movie like we're almost there stan <laughs> we're, we're almost just at, about buttoned up we're almost at the end of the movie Can i just see at least two more boobs it's Please. like i have this extra she's willing to dress up as a nurse and she's got some big old knockers 
I think we should put her in. <laughs> All right, Stan. son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> All right, Stan. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really like this uh, this little back to back here where he finally gets lucid enough to like talk, and the psychiatrist lady comes in. She's one of my favorites too. Where just her weird upbeat attitude. It's very yeah. almost like she's almost like if she didn't have like a British accent, I would say she's from like the movie Fargo. Yeah, where she's just like. Oh, we're just oh, gonna yeah? we're gonna do a quick test, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> just just tell me what you're thinking, uh, and like that's her attitude. And she shows him these like little comic yeah. strips, and she's basically like, "Just tell me what you think the other character would say." And th- so he's essentially doing like a comic book Rorschach test. Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> and the way he plays this is so weird. Like he's so giddy yeah. and childlike in this moment. Yeah. Uh, he cannot talk fast enough. He's yeah. <laughs> he's like so happy with himself every yeah. time he. He's like, you can do whatever you want with these, and the character's like holding some eggs. He's like, smash them, smash them, smash them all, and rub, pick them up and rub them all around. And he like <laughs> is like laughing, and he's like in this neck brace. He even like hurts himself at one point when she's like, "Oh, are you all right?" Yeah. And he's like, hopefully. <laughs> like, and he's like, did I did I did I pass? Did I win? That was fun. I want to do more. She's like, oh, there's no passing. I don't know why she's become a Fargo character now. All of a yeah. sudden. Uh, but, and it is like, you're listening to his responses and they're mostly violent. And yet she's kind of like, all right, sounds That's good. It. Again, it's just like another like notch in the belt of like the society is not equipped to take care of people <laughs> like not even a little bit. Uh, and then we just get this really uh, weird little chunk here where, so like the news of Alex trying to kill himself is going around the the writer was like trying to it's more explicit in the book mm-hmm. that the writer was like i'll just have this guy kill himself both so i can get revenge i can also prove that the right. government's treatment is bullshit and that's still somewhat in the movie because that's like what he yeah. tried to do it's just kind of glossed over a little bit with the line where the minister's like we've taken care of him don't worry about it it's just like oh <laughs> oh great this is a real uh whenever someone says something bad about uh why am i blanking on the Russian prime minister's Putin. name. Yeah, it's like it's like, oh yeah, they said something bad about Putin, and then uh, oh, got poison in his underwear. Oh no, he mysteriously <laughs> fell out a window. How yeah. terrible! Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is very like this writer spoke out against the government, and he's either dead or in the gulag. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is just like it's such a throwaway line, and you're just like, oh god. Yeah. Um, he just like, he won't be hurting you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the minister basically visits him, and Alex. Again, sociopath Alex, he 100% knows that this guy, he suddenly has the power in this relationship because mm-hmm. this guy's like livelihood is dependent on Alex being like, actually, no, their treatment is great and the, and you should elect him again because the minister's like, we're going to like just make it rain for you. You're going to give you like a good ass job. Everything's going to be awesome. And, and he's also like, Alex is doing this like crazy thing because the minister's like, cutting his food up for him yeah. and every time alex wants another bite he's doing this like mouth open yeah. thing where he just goes ah yeah. and like it, it's so crazy uh it's like it's like uh it's like i like the just the a lot a lot some of the scenes i like the most in this movie are like all these like power dynamic yeah. scenes they're really well done especially with the body language and the actions of like it, it shows you like and this is something that i think we've lost a little bit in modern cinema like older movies they always just, there was always something more going on in the scene than just two characters talking. 
Like I did a point break for the show recently. Okay. Uh, what the scene where he meets, uh, I, Gary Busey, the scene where like Keanu Reeves meets Gary Busey. They don't, he doesn't just like bring him into an office and he's like, this is your new partner. Oh, great. I'm teamed <laughs> up with this kid. Holy shit. Uh, like, no, they're at the pool and they're like blindfold diving for bricks. And, and it's just this whole set piece that has nothing to do with the movie, but just adds like so much extra spice to the yeah. movie and in the movies like this, where it's like, he could have just come into the hospital room and like, they could have like, he could have sat in a chair and they could have had a conversation. And, yeah. and like 75% of filmmakers would probably do it like that. But you do that extra mile of like having him cut his food up and feed him yeah. as he's like monologuing to him. It just adds so much more to yeah. the scene. It's interesting. And and, uh, and Alex knows the score. He's like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll speak up. The, and the, you get this cartoonish like wheeling in the, uh, I, I'd be curious to ask you for this too, but they wheel in the stereo and then all these like press photographers come in and start snapping like photo ops of mm. the, him and the minister like being pals or whatever alex is like got his little thumbs up sticking <laughs> yeah. out of his cast and he's smiling and then like some of the stuff i especially for a first time watch that got a little screwy for me is the minister says he's going to play the song for him and i'm assuming the song is the ninth mm-hmm. and but it was playing in a way that i couldn't tell if it was diegetic like they were actually playing it through the speaker mm. or not and like the fact that Alex like didn't freak out, like I assume the point was that he was hearing the ninth and not having that yeah. reaction. So he's all, all the brain. I was cured. Yeah. yeah. He says I was cured. And that's when we snapped to, but he does this thing where he's like smiling, but then he goes like really blank faced for a hmm. while. And then he has that vision of him, like having sex with this girl while just like a lot of people are standing around watching or like something a mud wrestling pool or something yeah yeah it almost looks like a it almost looks like heaven like the way they yeah. like set designed this like he's like in this pit or it's hard to describe you guys will just have to like see it uh but like i can't remember if we come back to his face before we end the movie or if we just straight up end it goes the... straight it ends straight it cuts right back to that bright red screen yeah. again i don't know like what what do you make of all of this like sequence of events because it left me a wee bit baffled i think i understand because like he was hearing the song and yeah and like he wasn't reacting to it but i don't I don't know i wasn't 100 percent sure yeah i mean i think it, it did show that he had been been cured which he comes right out and says over the last you know scene of the film um and it just sets him up for oh shit what's next from this guy like like he's his there's his, that's his fantasy that we're ending on, right? I mean, I, I think that's the only way to interpret it. Is that, yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, the blank face was traveling to that in his mind. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, it just, it, it leaves it ambiguous in a way that the original book didn't. It's, we assume that, you know, he's essentially become like the next level up from what Georgie and Dim have become. He's now yeah. he's got not only these psychopathic tendencies, but incredible power to, use them and, yeah and presumably he's going to be no given some some like cushy government job where he oh, yeah. has a lot of power and is doing terrible things yeah <laughs> maybe not out in the open but or maybe he does and nobody gives a shit <laughs> yeah they're, they're the ones that are supposed to be protecting us and <laughs> making the rules like i don't know i mean that is the end of the movie you're right uh cut to red cut to credits i apologize i I did the thing I warned you I'd do. I kind of steamrolled through some of the scenes and, and <laughs> did a, right. a lot of talking, no, but I'd love here at the end to t- 
talk about some of your overall thoughts and feelings about the film and yeah. especially like anything that we kind of jumped over that you want to highlight. I'd just like, I'd love to hear some thoughts. No, I think, I think we covered everything there. I mean, it just, um, you know, there's a little bit more politically going on there than I think we talked about as far as, you know, that was a major shift. We've got this crazy right wing kind of proto fascist or even fascist government coming mm-hmm. in. That's when we get the Ludovico technique. And then we have, you know, the left represented um, by this, by the writer, Frank Alexander is his name, right? So he, um, I, I, it didn't really land with me as much the first couple of times I saw it, um, that, oh yeah, this guy is totally a political prisoner, this writer, like he's, he's being disappeared as, <laughs> as, as a political opposition. So um, I guess the backdrop never really, or the political backdrop never really resonated with me until kind of recent viewings that I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, I see. It's hard not to see it everywhere now with, you know, the last. Yeah, and it is interesting, though, because it is like the government does feel very totalitarian and fascist, but also like at times non existent because people are just rampaging the streets. Exactly. But at the same time, they are showing like Nazi propaganda as a bad thing to a guy. It's it's very muddled in a certain way, not necessarily in a bad way, but in just like a. It just feels like. It reminds me of what I said earlier. Where it's like, oh, well, we're not that bad, at least. Uh, it's like, well, yeah. we don't have concentration camps. It's like, yeah, well, you do just throw people well. in prison and make them walk in a circle for exercise and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and like, just have drill sergeants for guards and stuff. Like, it just, I, I, I think it didn't occur to me because, like, you get so sucked into, like, the, the Ludovico. 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 I almost said Ludicolo, which is a Pokemon. <laughs> Ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> Luda! <laughs> I got pros <laughs> in different area codes. Is that a Ludicrous song? Uh, <laughs> Ludicrous technique, yeah. Luda! Uh, <laughs> Just make him watch Ludicrous videos for... <laughs> no, please, stop! I'm not a it's criminal anymore! <laughs> I can't watch Fast and Furious anymore. Uh, they went to space. This makes no sense. The performances are so stilted. <laughs> Why didn't they just let Paul Walker go? Why do they keep insisting that he's around? <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm really amused by that. I really, I'm very fascinated with the uh, fan edit of making. Alex watched Fast and Furious movies <laughs> with his eyes bright open. <laughs> but uh, I don't think I realized how much it highlights the dehumanizing experience of just going to prison in the first place. But yeah. it's also like, I think that honestly, the biggest overarching theme of the entire movie is just the dehumanization of people across the board. It's both like they exist in this dystopian society where nobody cares about what they actually get up to. like his parole officer doesn't care about him as a person. He just sees right. him as like a, a number that, that yeah, he's like a thing. He throws like, well, you're going to make me look bad. If I yeah. don't have you come into school, like you're just a, a thing that I need to check off on yeah. my list. The Droogs and Alex don't see people as people. I think that's part of his like rant is he's like, people have a right to be happy and to be free mm. and live. And we don't, we shouldn't be corrupting that and blah, blah, blah. Where it's like mm. that, that's one of the, like the, Things in society in general is it just feels like if we all had just a wee bit more empathy for each other, right. things could be going a lot better. But instead, we all are very like so hell bent on our own little worlds. Like mm-hmm. I think that's why I think that's why you get road rage oh, yeah. incidents. It's because we're so hyper focused on our anger and like how dare that guy break check me and blah blah blah. And it's mm-hmm. like just take a second and like 
And I know there's so many times where I've been like having a not great day and I'm sure if like one more thing went wrong and it, it's like, if you just take a step back and think about stuff from other people's perspective, you don't know what people have gone through that day. No. Uh, and like people just don't, there's just a real lack of empathy in the world. And I just don't think you could, cause it's hard for me to imagine like hurting another person like they do in this oh, movie. Yeah. Cause it's like, I just can't imagine doing that to someone, but I think you, I think that like true sociopaths or even just the people that are like sucked into their own head too much. They just don't see other people as people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's interesting of like flavoring Alex in a way that he does have things that he enjoys and things that he likes. Like I think it's a really important aspect of his character. They really highlight this Beethoven thing because mm -hmm. it's a very like, like somewhat nice and interesting thing for him to be into. That doesn't have anything to do with like him, like, beating people mercilessly in the streets and stuff so i don't know it's like i don't think i realized at first blush like how much like the you are this number you are not a person anymore and even we don't i guess it's just because we don't spend a lot of time in the prison but what they do show is like this is terrible but then the reformation's terrible and then yeah. society in general <laughs> is terrible because as soon as he gets back out there like the people who betrayed him and got him thrown into prison and committed all those violent crimes alongside him are now the cops yep. like it's all just so fucked in a way that's like brutal and effective but ultimately like i'm not I, I would never ask a movie to have an answer but there is a part of me that's like it doesn't feel like it's giving you any sort of it feels like a very very uh what's the word i'm looking for for when something's like feels like a very nihilistic mm. uh just view of the world with no ray of light anywhere to be seen like i'm all i'm all for like a bit of nihilism uh, yeah. a, a, a spot of nihilism <laughs> a, wee bit, a bit of the old nihilism uh I, I can get down with that but it does feel a little like it weighs you down i, I certainly didn't come yeah. away from this movie feeling very uh happy <laughs> yeah oh, yeah it's it's not a like a fun kind of you know like popcorny movie but um yeah maybe that's the last chapter maybe it was needed after all because that's <laughs> that's what brings it around yeah it's i don't know i, I i'm a little off base by saying that because like there's plenty of movies i watch that are very bleak and they just end bleak yeah. and i like a bleak ending i wouldn't want them to cop out in a movie like this it just mm -hmm. ultimately is like I, I don't know i guess it's just showing you like it's holding up a mirror to like the world and being like this is bad i mean it's almost like science it's almost sci-fi in the oh, way yeah. that it's oh, like it examining is. society yeah. <laughs> not in like the obvious like when you think sci-fi you think like spaceships no, and lasers hard sci-fi really yeah well other than the ludovico technique and yeah it's, it's speculative fiction at least i mean it's it's, it's in the genre it takes place in the future like yeah. it's a future dystopia it counts man uh so yeah i don't know uh, is there any final thoughts and also don't feel any pressure but uh, if you'd like to rate this film, no. you're more than you're more than welcome to. <laughs> I don't know if I would rate at, at all. I, I don't really do that. I'll give it 17 thumbs. <laughs> wow, not up or down or in any direction, he, just to have. You guys can't see this, but he suddenly <laughs> he suddenly like spawned 17 thumbs. They're yeah. kind of going along his arms. It's weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I always feel weird asking because like you've said, this is one of your like top films so i would put like, it in my my top 10 for it's, sure it's it's like, what, what else would it be other than like a 10 out of 10 for you so it's like it's we, we know how you feel i think that's a perfectly reasonable stance <laughs> yeah i give it upper nines maybe um for me this is really tough and i've been dreading it all day uh 
people that have never tuned in before, which could be quite a few of you, because maybe you're tuning in to hear Michael. Because, uh, <laughs> like, oh, I honestly, I, no I, fans. I get none. I get listeners sometimes that have never listened to my show before when I have a new guest on because they're yeah. family or friends of yours that want to like, oh, Michael was on a thing. Let's see, and then they just hear like me talking for two hours straight. And like, what the fuck is this? Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, people have never listened before. I, I essentially have what I call a grading curve on the show. Just theoretically, I, I, I am covering some of the greatest movies of all time. And so I, I wanted to leave myself room to sort of vary it up between. I can't just like give every movie 10. Right. Because like I always say, for example, the very first episode I ever did for the show was The Godfather. I think that's a 10 out of 10 movie. Mm. On this show, I gave it an 8.5. If that gives you sort of a sense of like what my curve is. Okay. Uh, so when I say what I'm going to give strange love, don't crucify me audience no. members, just your opinion. uh, but I recently did away with doing point fives. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm trying to do hard numbers and I'm, let's be honest with you guys. I'm bouncing between a six and a seven. Yeah, um, that's fair. it probably would have been a six when I first walked into the studio but I'm leaning more seven because, and that's the beauty of getting to do this show. And, and I'm so appreciative for people like you that are like, let's do Clockwork Orange. And you just like, we can actually sit here and discuss it because the more I talk about it, the more I think there's a, there is a lot going on here. And, and I really appreciate the film where it kind of rubs up against me is like, in terms of the things that I want out of film, it's not hitting some of those beats. So it's a struggle for me, but I don't know. I think, I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a six out of 10, which I should stress again, is still a pretty good score on this show. Yeah. I've given some pretty good movies a six out of 10. I think that what happens a lot on this show is I never quite know what's going to actually stick and what's not going to stick. I can't tell you how many movies I've lowballed and regretted, mm -hmm. but also the point of the show is, is watching these movies for the first time and just giving like my. That's like the whole, the, this show's called Clear Tented Classics, and it's a play on the, on that, that phrase, Rose Tented, like, right. uh, because like theoretically I have no nostalgia wrapped up in this movie, so I just yeah. can just give my honest first blush opinions. With a movie like this that has so much to dissect, maybe not the greatest way to attack a movie like this, and maybe a week from now I'll be like, I can't believe I gave it a six, that was fucked up. Uh, but I'm just going to say six for now, mostly due to the fact that I just have this feeling I'm not going to be running back to see this one anyone anytime soon. And that for me is like one of my biggest marks of like quality in the sense that it's like, do, do I feel this? Like there's a lot of movies that cover for the show that I immediately like want to watch again. Like for example, I did Paris, Texas for the show. Mm. Have you ever seen that movie? I uh, no, I, um, I know of it. I think it's a masterpiece. I actually watched it kind of early for the show and loved it so much I watched it again. Oh, wow. Like, I, I watched it twice before I did the episode on it, whereas this movie, it's going to be a while before I return to it. Uh, like, <laughs> I know you don't feel drawn to return to it, but I would recommend returning to it sooner rather than later, because the second watch is with the vernacular um, yeah. and with all the little fair. things you can find. I think a second watch is pretty rewarding. I've enjoyed a lot of like the nuance that you've pointed out, that you've... It's the kind of nuance that you only gain. And also just because this movie takes so many hard left turns, something that's nice about film like this is knowing where the movie's actually going to end up does yeah. very much inform what you're seeing at the beginning. Whereas yeah. when you're watching it for the first time, 
you know, the first 30 minutes of this movie, maybe even longer, just seems like violence. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like violent things are happening and you're not really sure why. Yeah. And then as you get deeper into the movie, you understand it's sort of setting the table for this whole Reformation arc or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it makes a lot more sense once that's contextualized. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I was very scared to start this movie. I've avoided this movie for a long time because wow. like, I was worried that I was going to fall in the camp of like, this is just senseless bullshit. I'm happy to report that uh, while this isn't my new favorite movie, I definitely am not in the camp of like giving it like half a star. Like some people on Letterboxd are giving it. I, I get just egregious. <laughs> so I, yeah, um, this was a really interesting experience and cool. I'm excited to continue my stroll into Kubrick's work. I, I still don't think he'll become my new favorite auteur anytime yeah, soon, cool. but uh, I get it. I just want to say I do get it. <laughs> and, right. and this is no slight against people that do love this movie and do love his work because I don't think my taste is any more important than anyone else's taste. It's just like, I'm so character driven and like, I'm okay with watching like not a great person be our protagonist, but this takes this to the utmost extreme to the point where I'm just like, I spent half the movie just being confused, like what I'm supposed to be feeling at times and like in a, in an interesting way, but not in a way that I'm normally looking for when I watch a film, uh, like, but it's, it's a fascinating film. And by the time the credits smashed into the red screen, I was like, okay, I get it. I get why people talk about this film. Yeah. <laughs> and I really, I really appreciate you being willing to like, take me on this ride <laughs> oh absolutely yeah it's and like i said i've seen it a few times it's i do appreciate it as one of the uh one of the classics uh so. you know speaking of films though like is there anything that here at the end we all we do recommendations is there anything you'd like to recommend Ooh, um i'm trying to think i'm you know off of this i would say uh, you know other malcolm mcdowell um Ooh. is probably where i would go um i think we talked about holy mountain but i mean if you're good with you know some watching some things that make you a little uncomfortable that's <laughs> you're probably ready for Yodorowsky. so um <laughs> i know we mentioned that earlier but yeah i'm trying to think kubrick where i would go from there i mean i would finish watching full metal jacket if i were you i do i, I need to do it it's, it's one of those things that it's a famous enough movie that it, i probably should just grab somebody and do it for the show and finally just rip the band-aid but i also like uh, like i said a lot of times especially if it's your first time on the show mm. if there's just movies you really love that you'd like to shout out they don't necessarily have to be as Ooh. dark or nihilistic as clockwork orange it could no. just be like oh i really like moana <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, uh, I, how I, to train your dragon i'm just i'm over the moon for that i saw i, I saw this know. how to train your dragon too once for my birthday <laughs> <laughs> um so we talked about some movies before we were going to get together for this and that's uh, american movie is the one that Oh yes, I always go back to it. Yeah, I, I'm, into I, I'm, I'm almost sad I've seen that because that would have been a really fun one oh to do. God. But American Movie, if people have never seen it, is my favorite documentary. Correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best one. It's so good. It's just yeah. what a fascinating little like. It's there's an extra oomph to it if you're an artist or a filmmaker. But it, yeah. even if you're not, it's still a fascinating movie. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, did I, tell you, I, met, I met Mark Borchert. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I went up to, um, he was doing a, a short film for this guy, Frankie Latina is his name. Um, and this was like 2000. So it was after watching American movie, or maybe it was 2001. But in any case, um, it was premiering um, this film called Delivery A Go-Go, which he, 
Mark Borchett played like a hitman. And um, yeah, so we went to the went to the show at the at the same theater where you know he screened Coven, and um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was. People have no idea why I just laughed at that if they haven't seen the movie. But <laughs> it's pronounced Coven. It's it's a good joke. <laughs> Perhaps there's an umlaut over the O. Oh, um, it's Coven. <laughs> I did not get to meet him. Uh, I forget his name. The that oh the like the erudite like stage yes. actor guy yes <laughs> i wish he would have been there what but, a character um, but i did meet mark and uh his one of his brothers was there i think and uh and ken keen was there too Man. i didn't get to meet mike shank either god rest him <laughs> yeah we, we just lost him like last year i know that was a really random yeah. i don't know if you call it a celebrity death but like oh. celebrity to me <laughs> he's a legend that guy <laughs> I was wondering but, if you'd take my Mountain Dew out of the thing before it freezes no, over. Surge. <laughs> surge. Please put my surge on a tarp so it doesn't freeze. Uh, I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah document, anyway. Documentary also is something I should, I should, I should dip a bigger toe into in, in this uh, show. It's just a matter of like, I see documentaries sometimes and they really bowl me over, but I'm, I am more drawn to like narrative fiction myself, but there's some great documentaries I haven't seen that I should see. Uh, so that's have you a, seen Darkon? No. If I come back for this, we, we should do, we should do Darkon. <laughs> What's it? Darkon. Darkon. It's about LARPers. Oh, okay. Oh, so like Darkon or Dar D A R K O N. Okay. It's the name of this like LARPing, and it's oh. it's set in like in Baltimore, and so everyone has kind of like a Delco accent, dude, and, all, <laughs> and they just get so like just bitchy about like that's like, fun. It's it's a fun one. Oh I, I man, I've been really getting into D and D lately, but. I haven't fully crossed over to like wanting to go to a Ren fair just yet. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll make that jump, but <laughs> yeah. I don't have a ton. I will say I do. It's my understanding that when it comes to Kubrick, people aren't as hot as eyes on wise wide shut as I am. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, for me, that was one of the movies I watched when I was, when I was younger and I really, picked up on the motif of all the christmas lights mm. how there's always christmas lights and scenes that are like don't have to do with like the cd underbelly and then it's like because basically like the first chunk of the movie is just christmas 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 mm. christmas and then tom cruise gets pulled into this bathroom where there's like no christmas decor mm. and that's where the woman has like od'd on the floor and they're like oh. trying to get him to save her and there's just like it's just one of the first moments where i was watching a movie where i was like oh the set design is like thematic and it just kind of <laughs> like so maybe i'm like being silly but like i just i quite like that film it's it's not i also like the score for it just that like single piano yeah. note just like boom <laughs> yeah. and just like really made me like this is stark and interesting <laughs> like i didn't know music could feel cold yeah uh, but so i'll always go to bat for that one this is gonna sound like a really weird connection but there were times i was watching this movie that made me think of the movie martyrs um i've heard of it it's uh i'm talking about the french one not yeah. the remake don't watch the remake it's, yeah. i haven't even watched it but apparently it's a huge piece of shit uh but I, I only bring martyrs up because it's one of those movies that in the first half it's a certain thing and then the back half if people have seen it they probably know what i'm getting at mm. especially if you think about like what alex goes through and then maybe what one of the characters in martyrs go through no spoilers <laughs> no. uh but like it was just, it was a movie that made me feel similar at points mm. when I was watching what Alex was going through 
there are times in Martyrs that I had similar feelings. I would mm. say Martyrs is very much more of a horror movie yeah. than this. Like, I mean, this movie is kind of a horror movie to a certain extent. What did they say? A horror show? Real horror show. Real horror show mask. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, those were the two that really jumped in my mind. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> no. uh, I mean, you guys, if you guys have, are deep enough into like, you're listening to the Clockwork Orange episode. I don't think I have to like yeah. tell you about cinema. Like how, how did you get here in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's good for recommendations. Last but not least though, if there's anything you'd like to plug now is the time. I, I don't have anything to plug. I mean, I, I did shoot a film with you yeah. uh, about a year and a half ago. So oh, hopefully God. that'll be coming out sometime you have to say soon. That out loud. <laughs> Hitting the festival circuit. No, other than that, I yeah, I really want to get back on stage. So hopefully next year. I don't know exactly what, but I got to do it. I mean, do you, do you uh would would people would you want people to follow you on Insta at all for updates, or are you oh. kind of like leave me the fuck alone? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no. I I mean, you can find it's Mike Butler FTW on Insta <laughs> for the win. For the win, for for the win. Um, yeah. No, I'm really excited to to dive into. I just, uh, if people know me, I'm the slowest editor in the world. Uh, and so, but yeah, I'm really excited to make you, uh, say fuck you to yourself at the yes. end of a movie. That's all I wanted <laughs> this whole time. That's, that's my teaser for, uh, <laughs> what, what happens at the end of that one. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for oh, my pleasure, man. I mean, I know this is always, you got to watch a movie and sit here for, or about, we've almost hit the three hour mark. Uh, All right. uh, so like, it's just always such a big ask. And just when I have new people on, I'm always so nervous to have them on, but this has been a genuine pleasure. No, it's been great fun. Uh, I'm so excited that we finally got to do this and, uh, thank you so much. Happy to be here, man. Thank and you. As, uh, you don't know this, but I unfortunately always say at the end of every episode, <laughs> I'll catch you on the flip flop later. Bye guys. What a glorious feeling, I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. The sun's in my heart and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I've a smile on my face. I'll walk down the lane with a happy refrain, just singing, singing in the rain. Dancing in the rain. I'm happy again I'm singing and dancing in the